to the ether today is wednesday january 12 2022 this episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community take advantage of their terra luna intel report on telegram which brings you the hottest news and updates on all things terra each and every day find it using the link in the show notes you can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your luna Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. Today on the Ether, we have a two-part CFI space. It's Anchor Borrow Strategies for Luna Acquisition Time. Let's take a listen. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Thought I'd spend some time to hang out with everybody. Um, give a few minutes for people to sort of stroll on in here. The Apollo Dow discussion just got done, and um, I didn't really want to get too much into the weeds with them about um, strategies for their future vaults and whatnot um just thought i'd talk about some more like individualized strategies to start with let me um kind of get uh some of you guys on if you want to be up here while we're chatting and i don't know if you guys are waving because you want to speak or waving just because you're waving <laughs> so uh give me a minute let me let a couple people come on here <clears throat> there was some um debate going on between uh Lunanomics and uh, myself and uh, Danku and we were everyone was kind of debating uh, where to go as far as uh, really the strategies of uh, different ways to essentially efficient efficiently use your bar power really is what everyone's uh, really kind of trying to sort out um, the first uh, I think thing to understand when it comes to anchor borrow is that uh right now its base interest rate to borrow runs around one to two percent assuming that you collect the anchor rewards and you were to immediately sell them and therefore um like pay off some of the uh borrow expenses um one strategy specifically regarding borrowing that I do to um, to some effect is when I'm getting those anchor rewards, one thing to keep in mind is sort of like what to do with those rewards. Um, if you'll look at the anchor um, chart, you'll notice there's a fairly high cyclicality to the chart, and that cyclicality tends to be tied to the price of Luna for the most part. So when Luna drops, anchor drops, and when uh, you know, Luna goes up, anchor tends to go up. Um, exactly why that is, um, my suspicion is it has a, to do a mixture of things. One of those things is that like when Luna's down, uh, you know, people want more Luna, so they might convert their anchor borrow 
rewards uh, that are paid in Anchor Token over to buy Luna with it. So that's one reason why it may do that. The second reason why it might do that is because Anchor is available on some exchanges and um, there's a tendency for uh, leverage trading and rebalancer bots and things like this to um, tend to cause some market correlation. Uh, and therefore, like when the mar general market sells off, Anchor token also tends to sell off. So this is another sort of reason why that, <clears throat> that would occur. Um, there has been quite a bit of sort of like cyclicality to it. So what you can do theoretically is when Anchor's price is particularly very low, um, one option is to hold on to it and either LP it versus UST, sell half of it and LP it with UST, or you could um, uh, you could just simply hold on to it in governance so you don't have any impermanent loss on the way up. And a lot of people just like sell their anchor token when it's closer to like $4. Right now it's like two sixty. dollars So then theoretically, even the, the money you're paid to borrow, you're profiting on. So actually your interest rate for borrowing uh, effectively, assuming you're trading this effectively, um, uh, comes out to be where you're still paid to borrow. Uh, this is especially true if you, you have your anchor token in governance because the governance rewards like around 14, 15% right now. So um, that mitigates the cost of holding the anchor while you're waiting for it to go up in theory. So uh, some other things that are about to happen though with anchor, if you saw the message regarding bonded Solana and bonded um, Adam potentially coming to Terra very soon, as far as like possible coins you can borrow off of, um, all of those new users that are gonna come in um, with Bonded Soul and Bonded Adam, uh, they may, they're gonna be receiving um, Anchor Borrow incentive rewards. And ultimately those people may be selling those Anchor tokens. So there may be a substantial increase in Anchor token emissions during that time. So the counterpoint to holding those anchor awards would be potentially there could be some sell side risk on the actual token itself. So just some things to be aware of. Um, if you're concerned about that, like the more conservative but less upside position would be the anchor UST, which has pretty substantial, um, you know, per, you would sell half your anchor to UST and to anchor. And then of course the yield is like, it runs pretty high, um, usually somewhere like 80 to 100%. But those incentives are going to be gone in the next, I believe, couple of months or something like that. So at some point, those are going to be um, deprecated. Um, so that's sort of like what to do with the anchor token itself. And then the the broader discussion tends to be, okay, like, what are you going to do with your anchor borrow to get the highest possible sort of rewards either within the Terra ecosystem or outside of the Terra ecosystem, because ultimately uh, your ability to borrow represents um, an opportunity. And then it's like, you know, what am I going to do with this money? Um, what uh, Lunanomics's intuition um, is, is that basically you're going to have the highest borrowing power when you're going to have the highest borrowing power when Luna's at the highest possible price. You may not know when the um, the you know you may not know where the top is uh, when it comes to the price of Luna, or for that matter Ethereum if you're using bonded Ethereum to borrow, and therefore um, 
you won't know precisely when uh, you're going to be able to sort of borrow the most. So what you theoretically do is if you want to maximize absolutely your ability to borrow off Anchor, um, the thing to do would be to, as Luna's price rises, you would theoretically just keep borrowing UST uh, and at the very least park it in Anchor Earn. And um, you do that sort of all the way up in theory. Um, and then, so what will happen is, so let's say, for example, Luna goes to $100 and you think that's the, or, or the, let's say that becomes the top in theory. Um, then on the way up, you have like extracted UST to borrow. You've parked it in earn. You're making 19.5%. The cost to borrow is actually like 1% or 2%, let's say. And you're making a good solid, let's say, you know, 18% or something like that right now um, using the anchor earn section on your borrow. So that would be your base theoretical yield is simply take your borrow, park it and earn and just sort of like farm that. Um, and then uh, so the least aggressive thing you could possibly do is basically just continue to do that all the way to the top. Incidentally, that's sort of more or less what Nexus protocol does, except what it does is it manages your LTV from your bonded Luna by borrowing off your bonded Luna. And it basically borrows enough to keep your LTV around 45% at all times. So it's not going to be as aggressive as you can be on the way down. Because on the way down, let's say, for example, I'm at $100 Luna. I've maxed out my borrow LTV to 45%. And then on the way down, I'm okay with letting my LTV go into the red a little bit because after all, it's basically in UST and I'm fairly liquid. Then um, I could basically look at um, options for managing my LTV on the way down once I've extracted my max borrow capacity. Okay. So hopefully everyone's following that issue so far. Basically, your max borrow capacity is at the top price of Luna. You don't need to predict the top price because you can just simply keep on extracting um borrow power as you go up until you can't do so anymore and the and the price tops out so that's one strategy is to just get ust and hold it and and make that yield that that would be the sort of base um the base concept um then the question is all right now what is what are good ways to acquire um luna with this money if that's the, the your intended uh plan okay um, so in order to uh, acquire Luna, then you would have to have some philosophical idea as far as what you think the optimal way to buy Luna would be. So let's kind of just go over like the theoretical opportunities that you might have um, along the way here. So one would be um, you're basically using your borrowed UST and you do like a dollar cost average into Luna. That would be sort of like the 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 most um sort of kind of simplistic approach right is a dca um dca implies that you buy an any uh, like a standard amount of luna every day and you're collecting that and then you could theoretically bond it and reprovide that as collateral if you wanted to um and regardless of the price that day you would basically continue to buy every single day some luna um and you do so that you do this in sort of some controlled manner so, you know, you're you're acquiring sufficient amounts every day and um, you're not overwhelming your borrow power. Right. You're you're keeping most of your um, UST uh, liquid and you're buying a little bit every day. 
And then again, you're, you're able to sort of borrow more if you want, because you can provide some of that slowly and like, you know, make your way up along the you know next couple of years. Cause think about like, you want to have some plan where you can do this over an extended period of time. So, you know, if you use a, like there's some people creating DCA bots in theory, you could take all of your UST and keep dumping it into the DCA bot. And it just keeps on buying you Luna every day. And theoretically, you know, even bonding it and provide it for you if you had a bot that could do this nonstop and you just don't have to touch it anymore. Um, and then if you have an LTV issue, technically you would take your UST out, you would dump it um, back into the, um, you know, to pay down your LTV if required. Um, what, uh, you know, uh, so what other ways can you, you know, what other ways generally can you buy more Luna? Well, the second method besides DCA would be what I tend to do which is um, I tend to buy things with dynamic DCA, which means like, so Luna went to a hundred dollars. Um, you know, maybe I bought a little bit uh, at the top and then maybe at $95, I'm buying a little bit larger, a uh, hundred dollars, I'm buying even bigger. And I'm just basically exponentially getting larger and larger all the way to the bottom. So at $62 or whatever the bottom was, I'm buying a shit ton of Luna and I'm doing so with my borrow power while uh, potentially paying down some of my LTV using the UST if required. And then whatever I have left, um, I'm conservatively buying lots and lots of um, uh, Luna on the way down. And um, in a highly volatile market uh, where these dips are fairly aggressive over a period of just like a couple of weeks, you could really get a lot of Luna on the way down. Even if you're only like spending 50% of your UST, similar to how you do an LP, um, uh, and uh, instead of like what a uh, LP does, which is not necessarily buying logarithmically down, it's almost buying sort of like um, you do have some impermanent um, uh, loss to the downside on your UST pool. So you're not 100% optimized necessarily. And that's what Donku is sort of arguing about. Ideally, the absolute best solution would be is if you could you could buy the bottom. Now, the, the problem is you don't know where the bottom is. So how to aggressively buy the bottoms is something I spend a lot of time on and is pretty much the only thing in crypto if you really think about it. And um, d doing that correctly is a secret to basically making infinite money in crypto. So really, you just have to have dry powder. Your dry powder in this case might be your borrow power. And um, what I tend to do, so what, you know, from the top is I take my borrow power, it's in UST. And then I just go nuts all the way to the bottom. So if people say, you know, you know how like as on the way down, there's always someone bitching about something. Everyone thinks the price is going to go lower than it actually does. So when it's at $70, people say 60. Okay, it gets close to 60. Then people say it's going to go to 50. Goes to 50, people say it's going to go to $10. It's like just a fucking circus, basically. No one knows what's going on. But they basically miss the entire mathematical intuition is that the bottom, whatever that bottom is, you need to find it and you need to get a shit ton of whatever asset you're buying. Otherwise, you're doing all of this wrong. So if you're not doing it this way, like you're you, in some way, you have not budgeted for the bottoms. Um, and it doesn't really matter how low the bottom is. If you want that asset, you better be buying the bottom or you wreck. You, you just completely ruin uh, the entire opportunity and you wasted time watching this go all the way down. I don't care if someone's buying $10 at the bottom. The bottom line is you should always be catching those bottoms no matter what. Otherwise, you're doing crypto wrong, wrong, and wrong. Okay? You don't need leverage. You don't need any of that. You could, And you could use leverage at the bottoms, 
but you don't necessarily need to, okay? You can do this fairly safely with reasonable amounts of money and you could pretty much generate like, like I've got to pay for a, a semester of college next month. And with that Luna dip that just happened, I just finished paying for that semester of college with one buy and, you know, on, in crypto and like within like a week, basically like that uh, semester is paid for done. So you don't, you don't need to be a genius at this. You just have to basically buy exponentially downward. And that's, a, that's the conservative approach. It implies a high level cash position on the way down. And the beauty of Anchor Borrow is your highest cash position should be at the very top. And your maximum ability to buy is going to be at the bottom if you have like a plan of buying all the way down. You don't necessarily have to use all your cash, by the way. If, you know, a bottom never happens, that's fine, too. You know, go back to just a conservative, like, let's say, for example, the price went to $60 and people are thinking, hey, or you're thinking it's going to go to 50 or 40 or whatever. It's okay if you don't get down to 50 or 40. That's fine. Your cash position will sit there. You can manage your LTV with it. And if it's determined that your, um, uh, if it's determined that basically your, uh, um, um, what was going to say the uh, so yeah on the way down you you do a mixer mixture of things and then if you're finding like hmm I'm going sideways now what do I do now I think maybe it'll go down a little bit more you could always be DCAing some every day also so you don't have to be perfect you just have to be kind of like have time in the market. And the lower price goes, you could also do a simple approach. Instead of buying all at once, you could also do what's called a dynamic DCA, which is like a daily DCA. So in other words, let's say, for example, you know, every four hours or something like that, just make up a number here, every 12 hours, I'm buying X amount at $100. But when it goes to $95, I'm spending, let's say, double that amount every four hours and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, on the way down. So you could do that sort of thing too, where your buys are intermittent but exponential, and then you don't have to find the precise bottom either. Okay. So there are a lot of different methodologies to sort of getting there, but what you want to be doing is almost every single time executing the largest buy at the very bottom. And this really just requires sort of some mathematical patience and some capital that you preserve on the side to do this. Um, and even if it's small amounts of money, like you don't have to be like uh, very rich to do this. You could basically have like, oh, I've got you know, a budget of starting at $10, $20, $40 like that, you can go down the line. So in other words, every single crypto dip in the history of crypto dips, you should be buying somehow or another, or you're doing this wrong. All right. That's all there is to it. I don't really like, in other words, just because you didn't get in in Luna under a dollar or whatever, does not mean you should be done buying Luna if you believe it's an asset that's going to go up or for that matter, other assets in the crypto space. There's like tons of different places you can put time in the market to grab um, bottoms and lots of different things. It's pretty much, that's all you have to do to do well in this space. It's embarrassing actually. Um, it's so silly and so stupid how easy it is to make money in this, that if you're not doing that very well right now, then something's gone very wrong, okay? So think this through what I'm saying here and, and look at the idea of essentially taking that bar of power and you're buying on the way down. Now what um, Lunonomics did, is he looked at this idea that, okay, well, if you look at the LP, the UST Luna LP has an interestingly high APR, somewhere between oftentimes 80 to 100% APY. So the idea would be that while you're waiting and you don't know that necessarily the market's going to dip, you don't know how much it's going to dip, you don't know how long it's going to go sideways, you don't know any of that, right? So therefore, like while you're waiting, you're making some APY in that position. The tricky part with that, and this is what Donku is sort of trying to allude to is, 
if I'm at the very top and I am buying um, Luna at the top to produce this LP, then essentially I'm literally buying Luna at the top and writing it all the way down. Does that make sense to ex you know uh, throw all that money in there? Or does it make sense to maybe DCA into the LP so that as the price falls, Luna's value drops, and then the LP is going to favor pushing your position towards Luna because that's what LPs do. They're essentially a type of like 50-50 rebalancer, sort of. And um, basically the idea is you can have a self-optimizing like sort of bot position, and you're getting the auto compounding from the actual LP rewards which make it maybe a little bit better than a 50-50 rebalancer bot. And the idea is, is that like this is a fairly easy thing for most people to do and understand. Um, the trick is whether or not you're using fresh Luna, right, and adding UST to it, or whether you already have Luna and you're adding UST from your borrow. That's a very different thing, right? So if I already have Luna sitting, you know, coming out of Burns or something from arbitrage, and I have this UST borrow power, and I can just sort of LP that so that on the way down, I could basically make, um, you know, I can get more from that. On the other hand, though, if Luna's price goes up, I'm going to get impermanent loss from my Luna, which might be fine if I'm perfectly comfortable selling some of my Luna on the way up, which is what your LP will do. So the LP based strategy is interesting, but I would say that like the mathematically most aggressive thing you can do is essentially what I was saying before is an exponential buying program on the way down with maximum dry powder all the way to the bottom. And, um, and then, you know, continue to buy Luna all the way. And, and you could probably have the most, the highest amount of dry powder available for the very largest buys. And that's essentially what Donku is saying. Um, so both methods are perfectly fine. Um, both will achieve like some extra lunar for you. And they'll both be rel like my method and uh, um, Lunomics method would both be a cash conservative position in which you can uh, like manage your LTV if the if the time were to arise, because on the way down, you're basically both acquiring Luna, which you can then arb to bonded Luna, and then you can basically immediately um, provide that for further LTV if you need it. And on the way down, you're also getting, um, you have plenty of UST to pay off your borrow if your LTV is in a concerning territory. So either way, like it will work. The difference is when you get to the bottom with my methodology, the difference is my buys are at the, are very large magnitude buys, right? Like I might be at like instead of so my buys would usually go something like ten dollars, twenty dollars, forty, um, eighty. Uh, so I multiply by two each each successive buy. So then the next one's you know one sixty, three twenty. Uh, that sort of thing. So the deeper the the drop, the more I'm basically getting, and I usually do that about every seven percent from the top. That's my general approximation in crypto, where I'm very frequently getting to the like, you know, the the sort of like the four and eight level buys. So those are pretty sizable buys, and then I only have to be up even very quickly. Um, so that's kind of the, the theory there. And then the additional fact that you're basically getting bonded Luna power 
you can essentially um, use that as well. Sometimes it would, during the, any a DCA process, if I see some opportunities, like the ability to throw some of the money. So if I'm in UST and not an LP, sometimes I can throw a big chunk of money in Kujira and get a big bid. Um, even if it's a 4% discount, that's a pretty good dollar cost average. So it makes sense to probably ar- always have some in Kujira when you know the market is in turmoil. So you take your UST target there. Um, once they have the AUST capacity in Kajira, that should be even better. So you can just leave it there and try to catch a few bids. Um, so you don't have to be perfect. You just have to have some of these bids captured. Um, you should never have a dump and then not have something in Kajira and get some discounts. I think it's perfectly good to be doing that. Um, what else? Um, besides that, um, then the other questions are like, what about the use of UST outside of Terra. So what can you possibly do with your money if you send it, like, for example, to KuCoin, you send it to um, uh, you send it to like some of those Pionex bots I was showing you, uh, you know, showing some tweets about Um, the problem with going off Terra is in times of turmoil, if, if you don't have sufficient amount of cash sitting on Terra, the problem is that you're going to wind up with uh, like during times when networks are very like congested, like on KuCoin, people have time, sometimes takes hours to get back to Terra. And the problem is, is you may have trouble managing your LTV if you've got your money all over the place. So that's something to be sort of aware of um, when you're doing that. So you don't really want to be running things on other locations that you want to be able to quickly bring back. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Um, so in terms of just sort of capital efficiency, the reality is, is that nobody's going to be able to tell you for sure what the absolute most capital efficient thing to do is, because that's going to depend on that specific drop, that specific spike, um, and you're you're never going to get it perfect, right? There's no such thing as perfecting this every single time, but um, there are sort of mathematically very reasonable ways to make fairly low risk um, sort of money using the borrow power, um, while presuming, of course, that you like how low can a dip actually go? So it depends. If you don't plan for like in crypto, maybe a seventy percent dump, um, then you're going to have some risk of being liquidated unless you have sufficient um, cash position to pay off your borrow and such, or something you can sell. Um, you know, you know, one could argue that you know you some people should probably be selling some Luna as as price goes up. Because if you don't feel like you can weather a 70% dump without ha- being liquidated, maybe the right thing to do for some people is to sell on the way up. Like, say, for example, every 5% Luna goes up in value, you have limit orders to just sort of clear some of it only for safety purposes so that you have um, like a, you have Luna that you've sold in profit that you can hold as cash. Therefore, you can like pay down an LTV or whatever if necessary. Okay, so and and if and if you don't uh, pay down LTV with it, which you don't have to, take that cash, park it in anchor, and then wait for that dump, and then use that cash and deploy it on the bottom as well. So that's you know another you know basic tactic to use. This is why I think it's important also for someone to build us some decent DCA bots, so that if you do sell um, and you want to like ease into getting a Luna position again, you just start a new DCA, a brand new one with the profit you've already made. And that way, if the price dumps, you have something sort of always buying you some. Um, I also tend to have some in Stator making auto compounding rewards. 
Um, and then when um, Prism comes out, there'll be all sorts of shenanigans going on in terms of you know, kind of like combos we can do, um, where we can basically find even more potential um, like uh, profitable opportunities. We can talk about that a little bit more. So I think that this whole game is going to change a bit when our Prism priv primitives come out, and then we can make some decisions about like how to best deploy our UST, um, you know, on borrows and how to sort of like grab even better outcomes than maybe perhaps just getting regular, you know, regular Luna. So anyway, um, another interesting point about Stator's auto compounder, it, they did confirm, by the way, that the compounder does have, um, it does buy Luna. It doesn't just mint it out of UST. Uh, so because it buys it from the AMMs, it actually contributes to scarcity. But what it's doing is it's buying during the dips. So the UST is actually um, more productive when Luna's price is down. So your auto compounder is actually buying you more Luna at the bottom. So just be aware of that. Um, that's a good thing. Um, so that when if you are staked in Stator, then you know at least your buys are automatically dollar cost averaging, optimized for the bottoms. And that's cool. I, I was trying to get them to maybe produce like a dashboard or some shit that showed the actual buys. So we can kind of cover that in, um, so we can actually see that in action a little bit better. And, and, um, anyway, let me grab one of you guys to like, uh, Vulture was waiting a bit and then toxic and kind of get some questions in or we can talk about this a little bit more. Go ahead, man. Hey, what's up, man? Good, How you good. Doing? Well, good. Um, yeah, first of all, I just want to say like, I really appreciate everything you do for the community. And it's been funny, like the last like month or so, a lot of my friends and family are like, so explain to me what Luna is. Like they're interested now that things are obviously going up, right? People are not so interested when Luna's $10, but now it's uh, close to a hundred more people are interested. Yeah, right. And actually one of the key videos that I link people that you might've seen is Hutch's video, which is like called Why Luna? And your talk there is brilliant i mean you're exceptionally well articulated and you put the point across well um and a lot of people have been like you know what i'm sold i'm, I'm interested <laughs> and so <laughs> well that's really cool you, and you've got like the yeah. key to crypto and this is like been a big uh missing link in the in the area is um there you know this i this stupid idea that people shouldn't provide financial advice is i give the middle finger to that concept like it's just stupid you know, I, I routinely give financial advice to friends and families who have no fucking clue what they're doing, like seriously. And the uh, the reality is, is that like most people are not going to call a freaking financial advisor to sort this shit out. The real reality is, is that there are there are methods to this madness that are mathematically near damn perfect, quite frankly. And my yeah. sensibility is, is like in the crypto space is everyone has some stupid theory about what's going to happen but no actual strategy that makes any sense, right? Like this has been the problem all along. And I've seen people lose so much money in uh, Bitcoin and other, you know, like tactics. Um, and it's and it's been kind of sad to watch all things considered, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> so this is kind of like the genesis for some of these discussions. It's like, it's just not rocket science. And really like crypto will thrive if people are, you know, doing well in it, right? Like it's not a... It's not. Yeah, it's really, it, got it, so it truly is like a we are all going to make it type of game, right? So, like you know. Yeah, that's it. And and people like you and Hutch, I see Hutch is in the uh, in the space now. So shout out to you, man. Um, yeah, it's really really helpful to have. And one thing I was going to say to you that might not be of interest to you, but my profession is I've actually been a I'm a YouTube specialist. I've been for nearly five years. I was going to say that if you did want to have any talks and do your own YouTube channel, then feel free to hit me up and I'll I'll help you out with that. No problem. Um, <laughs> yeah. But one thing I was going to say as well is in terms of the 
um the anchor and the borrowing like i love the whole concept and the way it works i'm just scared of losing my luna so i'm extremely bullish on nexus and the fact that luna omics is working with nexus to do a different pool where you earn extra luna as far as i understand it is really cool because right now i've got luna in there earning psi token and it's great like i mean is it true that the nexus protocol gets the price feed 15 seconds before anchor is that yeah, true? they do. They do have a, a good Oracle system that they're using, and um, yeah, I've spoken to the the Nexus team, um, sort of like specific to this at length. And basically, uh, what, what you know, the goal is is that more people are going to want efficient ways to get their Luna. Like it's funny that like we have all these other protocols and things, but like not protocols specifically designed to get you luna easily right like that's what the ecosystem mm. needs a newbie needs to be able to push a button and all this shit i just said needs to happen automatically right like there's no there's no, really no reason for anyone to learn any of this shit quite frankly like it can be programmed fairly readily um you know to where you have a rational uh a buying policy uh the only thing that nexus's system does not do right now is it doesn't like it's not going to extract the max amount of borrowing capacity for you at the tops right so if you manage your LTV on your own, you probably will have a little bit better um, use of your sort of full barring capacity. But again, like you said, if there is like some kind of weird crushing market dump or some, you know, wild liquidation wicks, um, you need to sort of like understand that. But at the same time, if you think about it, if you do what we're talking about, either in Lunonomics or myself, you do this well enough. You know, if you do get a little liquidated at some point, you're probably not going to be too much for wear because you've made so much money by then it won't matter. Um, you're sort of like so rich you don't give a shit kind of thing. Like, so there is some of that. <laughs> so if you've stacked enough Luna, it becomes sort of irrelevant at some point if some like, you know, little bit of error happened and, you know, you lost some whatever. But, you know, you see my point. Anyway, <laughs> so. Well, yeah, um, just one final thing I was going to say as well. And actually Hutch mentioned this in his video as well. Like there's a behavioral finance um decision making in the sense that i i got in like around between 10 and five dollars like my average cost is like just under ten dollars and so like yeah. i actually didn't buy any more luna for a very very long time i didn't i just was like happy with my stack but this year i've decided you know what i'm gonna do my best to stack as much luna as i can make use of these um techniques here and checking with you guys on what you're up to um, i mean just just as a reference yeah. like i i you know because i always do it this way like between on the way from $70 down to, what is it, 62 or whatever, I kept buying more and more and more, and now we're at 80 and, like, I could sell it now, right? Like, I could just sell it if I yeah. want to, and I'll still be ahead. So I haven't wasted the time. Time is the key right. here. Like, once you realize, wait a minute, like, I shouldn't be, have any time where there's drops in price, and I'm not doing this over and over and over again. It's really that simple. Like, there, there should always be some supposed dry powder, even if it's m tiny amounts. Like, you don't have to be rich to do this. You can work at McDonald's or whatever. I don't give a shit. Bottom line is the, you should have, like, tiny amounts that you can deploy in this manner. And the fee structure on Terra is reasonable enough where, like, even if it's small amounts, it's not, like, eating away too much of your capital by with fees and whatnot. So you can rationally buy with small amounts of money. You don't have to be rich or anything like that. So. And you're absolutely right. And one thing that you said in the previous um, Twitter spaces that's absolutely true is the fact that the people that are most likely to change their life for the better through crypto are actually the least likely to use it. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, that's 100%. That's, 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 that's totally true. In yeah. fact, if you look at the questions and answers on these spaces and whatnot, you have reasonably um, smart people 
like digging deep into these sort of like more complex problems. So like when I was listening to the Apollo Dow discussion in, you know, just recently, what I'm listening for is, okay, like, um, how do I tell my normally fam family member to go play with that? And they're going to be, you know, they're going to have a reasonably lucrative strategy dialed in um, with a, a relatively sort of low risk, you know, technique. And, um, you know, not to say that you can't ride the price of something down. That's just a given. Like, that's just how volatile assets sort of work. But how do you optimize that to make it work for you? So, like, when people say, like, you know, there's arguments about whether, like, Bitcoin is an inflation hedge or not. And some some jackass is always going to make the joke, okay, like, you bought it at, uh, like, 65K and now it's, like, 40K. Like, yeah. whoops, you know, so now it's not an inflation hedge. You, well, yeah, because that's not like, but then again, you don't throw your life savings in at the top. That's not how that works. Like you either do a dollar cost average, um, which automatically will typically buy more coin like in asset value, I'm sorry, in coin value over time over the bottoms, or you do a dynamic DCA, which really is probably the um, technically the ideal strategy for the average person. Because then you're really hammering the buys on the way down, right? And you'll you'll find the bottom every time, and you, you won't have this problem where you just ran out of capital or something like that. So building a position uh, is probably the like the number one lesson people should have, and it actually irritates me that exchanges, like especially uh, U.S. exchanges, offer no particular tool for this sort of shit. Right? You should be able to get onto Coinbase. You should be able to get onto um, like whatever your you know uh, uh, exchange is. You should be able to push a button with the amount of money that you want to deploy, and the thing puts in a bunch of limit orders with a D dynamic DCA if you want it or a regular DCA if you want it, and have a strategy where it like you know uh, um, you know sort of like creates this you know system for you, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to sort this shit out. Why there's not more of those kind of like automated push a button strategies where you don't have to go to like special websites that have bots and whatnot. Like I, it's not, it sort of boggles my mind. Like I would think that like fucking Coinbase would make way more money if they actually had a button you could push and fill in a whole bunch of orders for you, right? Like, I don't know why this is not the case. Still well, you've been talking about that system being implemented <laughs> on the Terra blockchain itself, right? Or there being a DApp for that. Yeah, there's, and there's lots of different like technical methods you can use to create uh, platforms. But uh, so a Martingale bot, essentially what you can find on, uh, I would strongly recommend like looking at what that is and go to pionex.com, P-I-O-N-E-X. And um, it is a, um, it's basically a bot platform and you can download the app you know and just look at it at least just if nothing more just look at it and go okay what does this thing do like what is a martingale bot and um it it you know you'll get a sense of what these things can accomplish for you uh whether or not you use it or not it's irrelevant it'll at least teach you the fundamentals of um like you know long story short how to buy bigger on the way down and um you know kind of have a strategy for this that makes sense um so it's just interesting to me that like those systems tend to connect to other exchanges like they connect to like, you know, maybe like Binance is what they're actually connecting to, but you're interacting with like, you know, a front end. It's interesting to me that like exchanges don't offer more of these platforms sort of kook, like KuCoin does to some extent, um, why they don't offer more of these right there so they can generate revenue from them. Um, some of those tend to have some hidden fees and whatnot, which is why I want to do this on, on Terra.
so that it actually works out um, more efficiently for everybody. So yeah, every single person I can talk to in the development community that I'm like that will listen, I've been kind of describing methods of building these things. So you just push a button and this shit happens automatically. So for example, you know, I have my anchor borrowed UST, right? And if Nexus creates a system where whereby like, you know, in the background, they're basically taking UST, you know, they're borrowing off of your bonded Luna or whatever. They're parking your your UST there in anchor. You're making your 20% while you're waiting. And then as the price of Luna falls, again, it's buying bigger and bigger and bigger all the way down while also paying down your LTV. It'd be like a modified version of the current Nexus protocol, which is essentially a like uh, auto optimization of the earn vault, right? That's how that works. Um, and instead you make it by uh, Luna. And if you get really like wicked with this, like now that bonded Adam and bonded um, Solana are coming, you could re really do is whichever of those coins is down the most. Like, so for example, once you get a reference point, say, okay, like, all right, um, Adam dropped the most in the last 24 hours versus Luna, then get more Adam with your dynamic dollar cost average, right? There's no need to necessarily buy the one coin that's already going up, right? You want to buy the dip and then you want to ride it up, right? Um, and then Adam has like a 14% interest rate. So if you have like liquid staked Adam and it's earning 15, you know, 14%, you know, via B Adam, then while it's sitting there, that yield can then automatically go towards buying the dip on a bunch of shit too, right? So, you know, so while Adam is rising, it's taking all of its yield and like, oh, look, uh, Solana fell. So it's going to take the yield off your Adam and then go buy more Solana. And then Solana's yield is going to be there and it's going to, oh, look, like Adam fell. And, you know, so whichever, um, while your USC accumulates from these bonded assets, like now that those are showing up, what you can do is like the yield from them could actually optimize to buying the cheapest thing that day, not necessarily just automatic, just like standard DCA, right? So even more powerful than dynamic DCA is when you do dynamic DCA on a basket of assets, because then you can find all sorts of shit that's dipping all the time, right? You're just basically searching for dips, right? So like, then you can find them using all these yields 24 seven, and you don't have to do a damn thing. And any newbie monkey can basically make it rich, basically. Like there's just no, there's like nothing to it, essentially, right? Like <laughs> you can, there's, there's like, you can make mathematically perfect ways to acquire more of the assets you care about and then sort of like divert that yield to get more of it. And that's, and you know what happens over time is, think about it, like the more of that asset you get it and, and the more efficient you are at getting it that mitigates any downside volatility of the asset. So if you've made like 20%, 30% extra of using your yield by optimizing it in diversions, what you end up having is, let's say the market drops 30%, you don't give a shit anymore because you have way more assets now than you did last, last, you know, six months ago or a year ago, right? You see how that works? So like you don't need to, the volatility killer is to use the yield to then additionally buy dips in everything you possibly can that has yields. Like whether, and then if you add more assets like osmosis or something like that with wildly hyperinflationary yields, you can then use those me mega hyperinflationary yields to buy something hyperdeflationary like Luna, and you just kind of loop that shit until it like it just makes tons and tons of money. So it's actually pretty efficient, um, neat stuff. But let me get toxic on for just a second. It feels yeah. good to be on the right side of the internet. That's that's the final thing I want to say. <laughs> time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> toxic, yeah, go ahead. Yo, what's up, man? Uh, you've been kind of saving my day. I'm here in Mexico and I'm, I'm on my cron right now. So it's, okay. it's, it's a little boring. <laughs> um, 
so essentially, um, and I've been following you for a while now, so essentially you buy every dip, right? And to me, I've been asking if everything you're doing right now kind of um, works out the thesis of saying we get a hundred trillion market cap by in the next five to 10 years, because what I've been thinking about, I mean, even though Luna, I'm all in Luna and it's an incredible investment, but there's a very tiny percentage that we might be entirely wrong, right? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on going forward with this super aggressive strategy that if you're wrong, at least for me personally, it will be like huge damage that's being done. Um, so I'd like, love to but, see how you wrong reflect in, on in this. In what way? Like, wh like, where would you, like, what price of Luna would you be hurt at? Like, essentially, is the question you have to ask yourself, right? Well, personally, I think that with the yields I'm generating, it's just for me a waiting game until I'm... Um, until it's pretty much mathematically impossible for me to lose money. I mean, like, which so might far, be like I, so far game. this year, I've probably like, um, I don't know, like just when ARBs and this and that and the other thing, I've probably doubled my Luna. So it doesn't really matter anymore what happens to the market. It could drop 100%. And it's like, you know, it, it would have to go down a lot. <laughs> It'd have to go down like 80% for me to really be like bothered by it. Like, you know, but even then, it's just simply a matter of function of, do you believe it's a market that's going to, you know, it's going to come back no matter how low it goes? And if the answer to that is yes, you don't think the market, you know, the crypto space is going to zero, then, um, you know, then you have a situation where like, you know, it's just simply a matter of time then. So time preference is always going to be a factor. Like if you have to exit a position and you, you have to sell low, that's going to be a factor. But then again, you know, you could take, it depends on what you need. Like, so for example, when Prism comes out, if you're like, you know what, I just need cash flow yield. I'm just going to get a crap ton of Y Luna. And I'm just going to basically port that out to like UST. And I'm going to save all that UST from my Y Luna and I'm not going to auto compound it. You could save your money that way, right? So like, it depends. If you believe you're going to have a problem, then you should basically be diverting your yield to cash, not to more Luna necessarily, right? Like you, because you already have plenty of price exposure to Luna, and your concern is like you'd like to have some cash available if needed or whatever. Um, now, if you're going to like, if you look at sort of like the growth curve of um, Luna right now, like I mean, you know, it basically has the highest velocity curve in like, like in crypto pretty much ever. So like, if you believe Luna's not, if you're going to be in trouble with Luna, then the rest of the market's completely fucked. I can tell you that right now. Like the, the growth velocity of Luna like exceeds um, pretty much every major coin um, that's been in the top, like, well, I can't find a chart that's more uh, high velocity from that perspective. It's hitting like all of the like 350 day moving average multiples at a pace that's like just unheard of in like like in anything, quite frankly. So I don't know, my, my, you know, my bullishness there is completely unfettered in that sense. And I think if you want to diversify into, let's say other things that maybe you have a different risk profile for, um, you know, probably like buying a BTC, uh, converting some to Bitcoin on the dips is not a bad play, probably. Um, converting to like something like that's a store of value stock, like you know, an Apple or a tech stock or something like that may be okay. Um, although, you know, one would argue the stock market's like just crazy overvalued and that may not be a good idea either. Um, you know, depending on the price of gold, like there may be other things you could do to sort of like exit into something that's still a, a modest hedge against inflation, but then like you have, um, you feel like you're safer. So there's, there's all sorts of things if you start getting into like deciding that, but um, I would say like based on, again, like that 350 day moving average multiple chart I showed, like that's already at 200 and like 
20 bucks plus now and it's rising really fast so within a, within a couple of months the trajectory is at like at 280 dollars and i think within um a few more months that trajectory remember it's a log scale chart the the moving average trajectory is literally parabolic on the log scale so like it goes to like 400 next and then like 800 next it really moves very fast within like that by summer to where like if the if the moving average multiples sort of like continue in their current pace you're really talking about $1200 sort of like luna targets by like september or something like that so to me i only have one thing i need to do and that's acquire more luna period end of story like like if i could find a better chart elsewhere i just go do it there but until that time happens like um at this point um there's not an obvious reason for me to focus too much effort on a lot of other things is kind of how i look at it so um, you know, and then of course we have catalyst after catalyst, all of those reasons why, um, I think Luna do well are, are great. Um, so really the focus of my discussion and Lunonomics and like what Donko was talking about really is about sort of like ways to potentially optimize the, the Luna that you can acquire and not necessarily, um, like, like I'm not second guessing it too much. So yeah, if you, if you have worries about this sort of thing, and um, you know, and you don't have other assets, then that's a totally different story. I, I mean, uh, you know, and, and, and depending on like, yeah, like h- how much of a drawdown you get worried about. I mean, if you saw my portfolio between like a hundred dollar Luna and sixty dollar Luna, you you'd be impressed. Um, <laughs> like you're like, wow, that's a lot of money going down, right? Like you go, hmm. So as soon as you start measuring the value of things in like the UST terms and the in the terms that you're going to spend this shit. Um, your mind starts have, going into like this spiral of like, oh, I'm getting poor. Um, you really have to be in an accumulation mindset when you do this sort of thing, which is how do I like measure? In other words, if I have like X amount of Luna today and I can get X plus 10 Luna by tomorrow, then I'm personally pretty happy. My goal is to measure my wealth in the asset that I'm acquiring, not measure it in, say, dollars or what kind of cheeseburger i'm going to buy with it or whatever so that's a very different mindset and it's the only mindset you can have to be able to exponentially buy the dips otherwise what will happen is is every time it dips you'll be like "Ooh, maybe it's going to go down more and then what happens is is you wind up getting um you you both are you you get psychologically upset because like your position is down so much but the second thing that happens is you will not buy the dips in the magnitude that i'm saying that you ought to you'll just, you just won't like, you'll just won't push that buy button. You'll just sort of like look at it. And then, um, then everyone has a big circle jerk about like how, you know, Luna's going to go to $10. Like, you know, what the hell is that nonsense about? Right? Like there's zero evidence for that kind of thing. And, um, so yeah, the, the, the FUD typically will affect you most near the bottoms when every, when, when the noise is the most. And that's the reason why like it, it makes more sense to have these conversations while price is going down as opposed to when price is going up. Right. Because that's when you want to be. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of my thought on it. But like, yeah. you. you... Yeah. I mean, f- fair enough. I mean, I've been I got into Luna. It's in July. I l- pretty much leveraged my net worth a couple of times by friends and family loans, which was probably very risky. But in hindsight, worked out great. So I've been buying more Luna and like not recently, but more Kadena with my borrowing power. But what I started to do now was like, for example, Astroport was at least UG profitable for me. 
I mean, just US dollar amount. So I've been from all these P things and the drops and the profits I made, I've been taking 10 to 20% and just I'll put it into another wallet that's just anchor earn, just kind of as a safety cushion that I'm trying to build on the side. Yeah. As, think, think, know, about, think about it this way, guys. Like if you if you don't mind, like depending what your tax situation is and if you don't mind selling, you know, the reality is, is that like Luna has like 5% intra-week volatility, like within three days, like you, your candle sizes on Luna are very big. And like the odds that if you sold like 5% of your portfolio, like, um, you know, on the way up, you know, as each 5%, the price goes up, the odds that you're going to be able to buy back on the way down are pretty damn good. So you could, part of what you can do is like take tiny fractions and trade it and then rebuy on, 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 on dips. And that's fine too. You like there, so if you're if you don't have like sufficient capital to be playing around too much, that's one of the things you can do is you can sort of take little profits on the way up and then just buy more on the way down, which is works out fine. That's what freaking, you know, Galaxy Digital and whatnot or or uh, market makers are doing. So, like, you know, don't think that you have to be the only one to hodl shit when everyone else is trading against you. Right. There's grid bots running 24 seven rebalancer bots running 24 seven trading against the hodler, essentially. Um, and you know, so there is some potential sort of opportunity cost in some instances to buying and holding. So, um, with Luna, at least you could have literally the entire year sold a little bit every 5% it goes up and you probably would have been able to buy it back on a 5% dip almost every time, like most of the year. So, or most of last year, I'm sorry. So like, that's a pretty reasonable thing. You don't even have to get very greedy about this, by the way. You could just simply buy the position back immediately after it drops 5% again, right? You don't have to wait till it drops 30, 40%. You just simply just grid bought it or do it manually, where you basically like sell a little bit on the way up and audit, just go ahead and just buy it back, even if it dro drops a little bit. Even if you're making a few percentage extra here and there, that works. The only thing is, depending on your, you know, your tax situation or whatever, you may end up incurring a lot of like useless uh, short-term capital gains and that kind of thing, which makes it sort of inefficient. Um, so, you know, if you're doing this within a sort of like tax-protected situation, then you could trade more aggressively in theory, like a hedge fund would. Um, but that's why, like, some of these architectures, like grid bots and um, like rebalancers and things like that. I want to bring those on chain to where like the protocols build them as vaults so that you and me don't have to incur a bunch of tax nonsense. We can just insert this into the vault. It sits there and prints you a bunch of money. You exit and then you pay tax at that time if you want to. But if you do proper rebalancers or you build like, for example, infinity bots or things of this nature, you can actually have these things running 24-7 for the rest of your damn life. And you can even set them up to where like they eject UST periodically so that like some of the profit comes out so you can spend it and live your life with it. And then you just sort of like pay for the like just use the UST and just pay income tax on it and call it a day. Right. Like there is perfectly good ways to design these things where you can just live your life off the volatility. Literally, like you don't have to have um, you don't have to sell a majority of your position. You don't even have to rely necessarily only on the staking yields. You could get the ARB volatility yields on top of staking yields and you just live your life with it. So a lot of interesting like tactics um, ultimately so that you don't have to worry anymore about like what happens in a bear market or a bull market or whatever. You want to be able to have volatility arbitrage opportunity in any market is my is the way I look at it. Uh, Marty, go ahead. Marty, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But everyone's hopefully like soaking this in a little bit, understanding the kind of principles at least. Yeah. So um, I really like 
I think your observation of I want to buy Adam when it drops for some stupid reason. Okay. <laughs> Com- convert it to B Adam and post it to Ank. I think right. I, that's that's a that's a beautiful little flare move that I did not consider until you uh, said it. So thank you. Yeah, because when 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 the other bonded um, assets arrive, you'll have like again more sort of dip buying opportunities. Essentially, if you think about it, and because you'll be able to borrow off of them, you could borrow off of say for example bonded Adam and then buy bonded Lun- or buy Luna, right? Like you you don't have to necessarily uh, be exposed to the exact same coin all the time. Um, so yeah, there's some different tactics that will arrive when you have these capabilities. And what's beautiful about these is that like Adam has currently a 14% or 15% inflationary yield at the moment, which is really good. And with shared staking that those yields could go up to like hundred percent APYs, like just nutty APYs in the future, which is why Adam's price is rising. And what you might be able to do here is you might be able to just sort of just live your life off the atom yield, quite frankly. So you uh, take these hyperinflationary yields, not so much to make money off the growth of the atom token, but because the token pays in kind as the the price of this goes up, you could just like do interesting stuff like, yeah, like take your atom yield and then go buy Luna with it and um, and or vice versa. So there's different kind of automations and my sense is that like there's probably some mathematically perfect ways to do this where you're buying the bottoms um and you like even borrow off of them if you potentially um get benefit at that point and then you can sort of like um you know buy other things that have dropped ride those up sell them you know pay off your loan and things like that definitely like more uh high grade assets within the tarot ecosystem is going to be critical for us to be able to like trade without going off chain. Because right now the problem is for trading purposes, yeah, we have some different Terra coins, but the reality is but those are just sort of like low volume, small scale projects. And yeah, you could LPM and do this and that. But at the end of the day, um, you need something with high volume. You need something with high volatility uh, to be able to sort of arbitrage all this price movement. And that's critical. So the beauty of crypto is the volatility. Like if you are not fully taking advantage of the volatility, then you're not doing this right. That's as simple as that. Like mathematically, if you think about why a lot of stock traders come to crypto, it's because they can play that volatility and make a buck, right? That's the reason why Bitcoin was designed the way it was. Uh, it was designed on video game tokenomics. I mean, not tokenomics, but video game uh, like, you know, um, um, sort of mudflation theory. Um People think all sorts of shit about why Bitcoin is designed the way it was, but it's it's not like some kind of libertarian wet dream. What it was is designed on uh, mudflation theory with um, video games at the time, and what what the the problem was is that like video game um, inflation was a real issue, and um, it was sort of like the goal for BTC is for like it to remain hyper volatile forever was sort of the reason why. It, the scarcity model was put into place. It wasn't just simply like they could have done a inflationary model like Dogecoin or whatever. But at the end of the day, the reason for that is to because of scarcity, volatility forever. And when you have volatility forever, you attract traders forever. You attract leverage traders forever. And that's all good for the ecosystem. That was the whole point. So the entire point of crypto is for specifically volatility exposure. 
And then the beauty of Terra is for the stablecoin exposure, you have that too right on chain. Um, both of those are extremely important sort of like features. Um, volatility is not a bug. It is literally a feature and it's the only feature that matters. So anyone that's like worried about crypto volatility, it's like go buy some stocks and shit and go do something else. You don't know what you're doing yet. <laughs> so this is the this is the the funny thing about um, and even in Bitcoin, like you could make you can do quite well with just basically uh, a martingale um, like logarithmic buying strategy. It works quite nicely. Um, and with what happened with Bitcoin is because like the price movements have become not quite as volatile. People started using like more leverage to sort of like um, play the volatility. Um, with uh, less actual capital so that you don't have to wait for BTC to make a 20% move. You can 10x leverage it and have it make a 1% move and this kind of thing. So it's like, you know, it starts behaving like more like a 4x market ultimately um, is what's happened there. But um, yeah, you'll, you're going to have a lot of fun on Terra here pretty soon. A lot of cool stuff coming. Hey, Logan, what's up? You had a comment for a while there. <laughs> Sorry. Logan, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, my uh, my yeah, yeah. muted. Can you hear me now? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I had a couple questions for you. So, um, how do you personally determine when you think that Luna is going to dunk? Because obviously, like we've had some serious run ups, but have you noticed any patterns with like percentage gains where you're like, yeah, within this range, usually it'll run up, you know, five, seven, ten percent, and then right yeah. after we'll have a X amount of dump. So here's the thing about, um, all right, so uh, quantitative traders have been trying to figure out like how to predict the forward price movements um, of assets, like since assets have been a thing. Um, what people, and in fact, in order to program like a grid bot effectively, you would need to have some concept in your head of like what you think the volatility is going to be. And the problem with that is you're always trying to predict future volatility based on past volatility. And if you just have you ever watched how Bollinger Bands work, um, if you've never like looked at Bollinger Band charts, I would certainly recommend doing so. What you'll find is you'll have a, a, an asset. It'll go sideways or like sort of a narrower band of volatility. And then you'll have like a volatility explosion and you have like price move rapidly to the upside or the downside. What you do know in crypto is, is things do not go sideways for very long. Like what even is sideways? Plus or minus 20%, plus or minus 30%. I would argue that for Luna, we have been sideways since September. We have not had, like you might be rich now, you might be doing really well because Luna went from like a dollar to you know $100 or whatever. This is all just sideways movement as far as I'm concerned, like on the last six months, in the sense that like between like 50 bucks and 100 bucks, it's been really like sort of an ascending channel of like ups and downs, right? The reason why I don't um, like, I don't try to uh, optimize the selling of Luna, and this is the key here. The reason why is you're going to miss well, the I'm not, biggest. Well, I'm not saying selling it, right? Well, like well, when, what I guess I meant to say is, right? yeah, for dumps or when it goes up, it's sort of like the same question here in a sense. How do you know it's going to make a big drop or a big pop, right? Either direction technically would be relevant to people. Um, well, first off, there's no way to tell a big drop's going to happen because obviously markets are correlated. There's a lot of um, like 
general crypto market liquidations and such that can lead to large drops in all of the coins. So the ability to predict when a drop's going to happen is almost impossible. You just know big drops are going to happen. Like the idea that we can predict it, like I don't think anyone really, anyone really consistently does. And But here's the thing. All you really need to know in crypto is, is that the large upward moves is where you make almost all of the actual money. And it happens within a period of like a month or two. So, you know, grab any number of like substantial, um, like upward moves in early cycle assets. We're not talking about like 10 years after Bitcoin starts or 10 years after Apple, you know, is out. We're talking about like early one or two year cycle charts. You really see that adoption um, velocity really aggressive. And with, with Luna, we didn't know that it would have a very aggressive like Bitcoin like move where it like quickly moved to like the 350 day moving average times 21. And then the second hit was to 350 times 13. I mean, it's literally following Philip Swift's article of golden ratio multiples per perfectly. And each time it hits those multiples, then it confirms that that type of logarithmic or viral growth is like um, it, it confirms that the next peak is going to be following that general like uh, concept. It just makes it highly likely. So in my view, the next move for Luna, per, as an example, is going to be into the like 240 to 280 range, something like that, that line. I think the large move, like not these just chop moves that are just kind of rising, but the really, really big move where it just like FOMO comes on and like you're telling your family, they're telling their family and everyone's buying Luna all of a sudden, right? So like, that move will sort of just emerge out of thin air and it will be so fast. You'll think that, Hey, like I found a local top and I'm going to sell here and it's just going to keep going up and up and up and up. And it's just like, you're scratching your head going like, when is this going to stop? And, um, some people during those times, they're like, you know, cause you know, the higher a price goes psychologically, the more likely a dump's going to happen. So right now we've had, yes, this kind of rising chop, and we've had nice 30 to 50% or more corrections each time, which is super bullish because that means that each time buyers showed up at each of these sort of like bottoms. If you have a very, very large FOMO style move, then the question you have to ask is, okay, well, like if a FOMO style move happens where we head to 240 bucks, like where's it going to go from there? Is it going to go sideways or is it going to take a solid dump from there? If you've been around crypto for any amount of time, you know nothing goes straight up and then goes sideways, right? Like it's just not even a thing, like barely. And sideways on a big, on a log chart is like plus or minus like uh, 50%. Like it's a pretty big drop from tops. You just don't know where that top is going to be, nor where the next bottom is going to be. So all I look for in my life when it comes to assets, I'm looking for the new higher low. Like I don't sit there and celebrate that, oh, look, Luna went to like, you know, 240 bucks and therefore like I, I missed the perfect top. You know, I didn't sell it perfectly. And then I wrote it down all the way to, let's say it goes back down to like, you know, I don't know, $150. Like imagine Solana, like what, look at Solana's chart is a good example. You know, it went from like, what is it? 250. And now it's like at 160 or something like that. Right. It, went, it really made a big sort of move. And, you know, you're not going to be able to predict where that new bottom is. But let's say you own Luna today, like right now your Luna is worth like, you know, 80 bucks. And let's say, you know, uh, six months from now, it goes all the way to 240 and it, all, it comes down to 200. Are you going to be unhappy, really? 
Not really. You're pretty fucking happy. <laughs> like, so, you know, you just like think about it from the perspective of like, as long as Luna can hit the 350 day moving average times um, the next one is times eight. That means it still has like viral adoption level growth curves. And therefore, even if I hit an, hit that peak and hit another higher low, the odds are that I'm going to hit the next growth curve. Again, it's lengthening cycle, basically. So it takes longer. But those, those curves are moving at a breathtaking pace, right? Like look at Bitcoin in the early years. It goes from like, you know, zero to 100, 100 to 1,000, 1,000 to, and then it has a big correcting period for a couple of years and then 20,000, right? So these kinds of moves happen over longer and longer times. And what I'm telling you guys is, the the how compressed the cyclicality is for cycle one and cycle two peaks for bt for luna is just like like you're spending way less time like half the time it took btc to do anywhere near that right like the sheer velocity of the network effect today of how DeFi is just sort of like just blown up it's just no comparison to the previous assets and so uh, you know looking at it a couple years from now if all you had is a two-year horizon you're going to be probably doing really well, even if there's sort of like many bear markets along the way. So finding the next dump is really hard. Um, uh, Logan, like for, what, what did you what question. did you do? What did you do at like a hundred bucks? Did you think, all right, psychologically, people are probably going to pull out some profit at a hundred bucks? So were you kind of like ready to to pull I, out some LTV figured, at that point? I figured they would, but at the same time, I wasn't willing to miss a move to two hundred forty bucks. Yeah. So, so I, like so what I, didn't, I did is I, I didn't out, exit. I didn't I, exit. I took out, I think like 50 grand worth of collateral right there and mm-hmm. brought my LTV up. And I just was like, okay, on the, the, in case it does go to like 120, 130 right now and start moving towards 200, I want to make sure that I don't miss that. And right. it's not enough LTV to where we dumped, which I thought, hey, maybe we'll hit around 80. We went down to 60, which was a little nerve wracking. Yeah, it, it's, you know. <laughs> it's like my biggest worry, m- m- the thing I panic about is not whether it drops or not. Like, I don't care. That's just more buying as far as I'm concerned. And it's more auto compounding time. It's like it's more Luna burning time. You know, you, in other words, we all hold hands together. It's kumbaya. What I'm more afraid of missing if I try to trade that top is I'm going to miss the biggest moves in the history of the fucking human race. Like I'm talking about like, you know, where Luna could just jump to $400 like out of the blue. And you're like, what in the holy hell? That's the kind of stuff that that's the kind of velocity I see with current price movement and network growth in the, in the sense that like the amount of money people are pouring into the Terra ecosystem. So, so to me, you think like, that's, smart, that's, that's you, what you, I don't want to miss, right? Like that's the Yeah. The, the Do you think it's smart though? Like, so for example, let's say that we run up to... I don't know, 200 bucks, right? Let's say that we're, we're running sure. to that range. Sure. We start running up. Okay, well, uh, let's say we did have like a major like 30 or 40% price increase. And you think uh, most likely a, a dip of some sort is coming in. So I'm going to take out, let's say uh, my LTV went down because price went up. I'm going to take out X amount in UST and I'm going to buy... 20 to 30 percent right now and then like you're saying dca kind of if it does drop right if not i'll fomo in a little if if the pump continues to pump you know i can buy back in at a little bit of a higher price but like for for you if you're kind of implementing that strategy where you dca are you doing like all right i'm gonna do 50 percent right now when i immediately when i take out that ust loan 
or are you doing like what what is your strategy on percent wise because i know you said you went up in percentage i typically i typically start buying again after whatever local top i see like a 20 percent or so drop um is where i start getting a little bit um and i start sort of like you know building sort of almost a new position in my head right so Um, you're not pulling out at, at you're not trying to time a top to pull out you just pull out more when we've already dropped because you know hey this is most likely the bottom yeah like the more ust i'm going to spend in other words but like if you're talking about like if like so is there a strategy that a person could use to sell on the way up sure there's a lot of different ways you can do this like if you just look at like crypto volatility generally you could probably you know take a little bit off like you know at 10 percent intervals even and have a good chance of get getting like in, even within intraday volatility, you could sell at a 10% up and then buy back like 5% lower, right? And just sort of stack that way if you really wanted to. This is in essence what a grid bot does. So like if if people are really, really interested in like um, buying and selling, you almost want to be on an exchange where you can just basically put in a pile of limit orders all the way up and just let them hit, like let it, let it sell for you. And then you go, oh, look, my stash of UST or USDT or whatever the hell it is just built up. Or you can go on Meow Trader or whatever and do this, I think, um, as well. And then you basically, like, after your cash position is getting bigger, you just build and, like, pick a limit order. You're like, hey, you know what? I'm comfortable if, like, I get this back at $90. You know, I'm just going to, like, put all my cash in at 90 and I'm just going to get it all back or something like that, right? You want, a, you want a number where you have a high likelihood of filling that limit order again, right? Where the price is. I, I feel like I just kind of made, like, not an optimal decision by taking out, I'm glad I, I leveraged, you know, and because I was being kind of a pussy, like I wasn't really using Anchor to what what I truly could have. And then I yeah. put more, I put more Luna on there. I took out a loan, but I wish I would have kept like twenty percent there in case it dipped, because I had a feeling, hey, we're probably going to go from a hundred to eighty. So I think like that's probably my strategy. Like any time that I take out a UST loan, I'm going to keep, I'm going to deploy like seventy percent right away into it. And to keep another twenty to thirty percent liquid in UST, not really to pay down that. Well, I guess it would be technically paying down the LTV simultaneously if you're buying more Luna and using it as collateral, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, even, well, I'm not even that aggressive either if you think about it, because I have like one third of my Luna is in, um, like, is in a um, is in a Stator expo- Luna exposition, right? So it's auto compounding. I have another one third coming out of Burns on Anchor that I was playing ARBs on, right? So I'm like diversifying the tactics a little bit just for the hell of it. But um, technically, like because I have a large amount of uh, my Luna coming out of Burns, almost a third, if I want to sell that Luna and then try to do a, uh, like a volatility arbitrage where I just like sell and buy back, I could have almost one third of my Luna ready and waiting to sell if like we have a massive impulse move, like I said. So I could start selling it on the way up if I really wanted to and just buy it right back. In fact, I don't even need to, I'm comfortable with making like 10% extra Luna in that situation. I don't need to necessarily time the perfect top. I could just sort of like on the way up, just sell some and then buy it right back the moment it dipped 5%, right? Like I don't have to go crazy. Now, this idea that you have to like pick a perfect top and a perfect bottom is not necessary either. If you're selling on the way up, you could just buy it back on the volatility. And that's just essentially what a grid bot does. 
Um, that's why I want to bring like more grid bots and things like that on chain or like where protocols are doing this for you. So you just push a button and it does it for you. Um, like on meow trader or something like you push a button and it just fills all your limit orders in for you. You don't have to do a bunch of shit and like do all the manual work of putting all the limit orders in yourself. And then like, you can have a strategy in your mind of how you want to buy it back. Um, so, cause I mean, think about it. Like, even if you made a 5% arb trade, like you, you know, let's say you sold at a hundred and, you know, hundred dollars and you bought it all back at 95, who gives a shit, right? You just made, you just made a 5% arb trade. What are you worried about? Right? So it depends on how, but it also depends on how much of it you're going to sell at each of those intervals. And that's the thing, like the, the, yeah, I'm not I, really I, planning on selling any of my tokens. I just want to continue leveraging. Yeah. You know, as the collateral becomes more valuable, if that makes sense. Right. Cause I'm not trying to create these taxable events where it's like, right. right. I sell my Luna on the open market and have short-term capital gains tax. I just want my collateral to increase in value, take right. out a non-taxable loan in UST, kind of wait for an ideal dip essentially, or like buy, buy some more, but then like hopefully catch a dip. So then I'm stacking off of my current, you know, I'm just leveraging my current holdings to get a little bit more. It's just like, I never even thought, oh man, why don't you just pull out UST and just kind of wait and, and see if it see if it dips, right? That's yeah. something that never even really crossed my mind. And, uh, and you know, I, I'll be honest, like I had to uh, pull out oh, wow. some, I had some money on KuCoin and uh, it was like seven or eight grand sitting there. And I'm like, okay, my LTV is getting to like almost around 50. And I'm like, yeah, this is too much money to be having just like, uh, you know, just uh, risking in a sense. I'm like, I don't want to get liquidated. So then all of a sudden, like you said earlier, KuCoin was congested and they were not allowing deposits. And I'm like, dude, if we drop another 10%, I'm getting, I mean, I don't even know what the, the total liquidation would have been, like <laughs> if it's partially liquidated, but I was right. stressing, sweating bullets. So I'm like, yo, I was losing sleep. Cause like, you know, it's just, I, I, I'm not used to this. I'm not like a, a, I'm a risk taker, but at the same time, I'm not a trader. So like, I don't really know all, all like <laughs> as much as you do when it comes to these yeah, charts and, and whatnot. So. And, and trading is like more about expectation management. It's not really like that there's these people out there that freaking know exactly how low something's going to go. Um, you know, the, the, the number of people, like when I watch all the different calls out there, people saying, oh, I think it's going to go to this price and that's going to go to that price. Um, really, um, what you find is like, you see more like useless calls and like stupid ideas than smart ones, honestly. Like, and so don't feel bad if you don't like, feel like, oh yeah, I'm like not a great trader or something. Most, like most of us shouldn't be particularly great traders. There just has to be a mathematically like near perfect strategy to win most of the time. You don't have to be right all the time. You just have to just like, get the big ideas right most of the time. And then like have a technique that works for your sort of like specific time preference or whatever. Um, Got it. That's the last, thing. Last I, question. Last yeah, question I want to ask you real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll let anyone else speak. Um, yeah, sure. So Doquan was hinting at something on his Twitter with like a the Terra logo and then also like a orange kind of dotted logo. Well, could it could have either been like Bitcoin? Some people are speculating Mastercard. Do you have any idea what? That There's might like be? a. Someone posted a, like a thing that looks sort of like the Busan like logo too. So I don't know what that means. Like it's like a blue circle with an orange circle next to us. I don't know what he's implying exactly, but Busan was coming close too, apparently. So, 
So I, I don't think it's a MasterCard tie-up. Like, I don't know. Visa decided to go with USDC, remember, like as their kind of primary stablecoin. So um, it would be interesting if MasterCard decided to go bigger and use that as like some kind of payment rail. That'd be pretty interesting. But I don't know that there's any facts behind the MasterCard story yet <laughs> or anything like Got that. It. So um, Phil has his hand, like he's just waving at me here. He might have some alpha on this subject. Um, go Go for it, guys. Oh, yeah. really? What did he say? Uh, I didn't actually watch it yet, but I saw the video. I'm like getting home in a bit. I just wanted to let you know. That. Oh, on the whatever the like. Uh, it's called uh, lfg.org uh, or something. Yeah, it's uh, if you look up Danku's video today, I think it, it covers it. I saw the logo you're talking about. That's the only reason I know. <laughs> I haven't watched. Okay, okay. I thought it had something to do with the, the uh, sort of like either Bitcoin or Bitcoin uh, reserve or money market or something like that. I, I think it did. Sure. I don't, I don't. I didn't watch it yet, but uh, I think it does. <laughs> there are several things like that are like up and coming right now. So there's they said redacted. That's all I know. Yeah, I do know this though. Like all of these things uh, do spin nice narratives, which is cool. So when the, it just gives everyone more and more shit to talk about, which is. Um, sort of like there's a memification effect that goes with each of these sort of like uh, things that happen, which is pretty awesome. <laughs> so there's like, you want like articles to be written by like, you know, blogs and, you know, all the various um, crypto media and whatnot. And every single article that shows up is just more searches and all that. So um, yeah, releasing these things periodically almost where it's like social media optimization is really like uh, uh, pretty sweet. So we'll see how it all plays out. <laughs> but uh Caleb, uh, what's up? Hi, Sir Phil. Uh, thanks for uh, creating these opportunities to speak about Luna. Um, I just noticed uh, you mentioned that you've already doubled your Luna so far this year, and I was curious about that. Uh, how how did you do that? Is it with all the strategies you've been, we've been discussing? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was like the arbitrage uh the arbitrage opportunities are much bigger before like sometimes we'd get like four and five percent arbs and like i don't know like um and then between different uh auto compounding and this and that i don't know like uh, i i don't even keep track of how much like you know <laughs> i don't sit around worrying too much about like the exact uh strategy at any given time i just sort of like keep taking whatever opportunity i see and um um yeah and some of that's off of like borrow and buy and then that kind of thing and some of it's based on arbs and different picks so um yeah pretty much most of the things we've been talking about for the most part it's about it <laughs> so but yeah it's it's not going to be as easy to double things you know but although uh, i would say some of the prism strategies are going to be freaking awesome um i think you guys want to really pay attention to the different possibilities there I'm still trying to like calibrate in my head, like what I'm going to do with prism precisely. But, um, so think about it this way, like, okay, everything we just talked about today, which is essentially like to get a bunch of UST at the top of, you know, as Luna's price goes up, park that in anchor urn, have it ready as dry powder. And then, but take that a bit further and say, okay, like maybe the right thing to buy is not always to just simply buy Luna on the dip you know, besides the bonded Adam bonded Solana that are going to come, those might be useful things to buy in the dip if they are dipping even more than Luna is. And then additionally, um, you may be able to um, buy things like, let's say, um, P Luna or 
why Luna if one of those is cheaper for a period of time, right? Um, so, or you could do things like, okay, I bought Luna, but then I immediately like uh, Prism refracted it and sold the more expensive version. Like, let's say, for example, Y Luna or P Luna are higher in value. And then I went and bought the cheaper version, the, uh, you know, whichever Y Luna or P Luna are lower in value. And you basically arb that too. Um, so there's all sorts of tactics that might emerge here with like optimizing these the cheapest thing you could possibly buy, but you're basically always looking for that discount, right? In whatever it is you're looking for. And then when Prism, like once we have some different uh, Atom and Soul assets, if we can get like the um, refracted Atom and refracted Soul, then you got some really uh, nutty ideas in terms of like, uh, if you have really high yield things like Atom, like 14 plus percent, then you could like take Let's say, for example, like one of the questions earlier was like, okay, how do I live off of my shit later? You know, you could basically take all your Luna, you could sell it and buy like, uh, let's say uh, Y Atom is not particularly popular at that time, but its yield is like 14%. You can convert the entire th amount of stash to like, let's say, I don't know, 5x the amount of Y Atom and that sucker is at 14% interest rate. So now you just got just cash flowing out the wazoo at that point. So like a million bucks might net you a million a year in, in yield output for that matter. So like, you know, then the price of coins no longer matters to your life anymore. That's the ideal situation to where your yield is so outlandish that nobody cares about the price of the bull market and the bear market anymore. That is the ideal, like sort of like apex. That's the status you're trying to reach. The point where your yield is all you care about is theoretically like that's, and whether you get that through arbitrage bots, whether you get that through um, on-chain activities, whether you get it through like the Prism protocol, I think Prism is going to basically have a lot of sort of like life-changing financial um, uh, like mechanics behind it where people can do really cool shit that like matches their financial needs as opposed to simply always be worrying about like um, purely price um, action. So, and then, and then not only that, but like, let's say you don't need all that cash right now. Let's say you have good yield coming out. You can then take that yield and then direct it to other opportunities so that you're always buying dips in something that also gets yield. And then sort of your yield stash is just like climbing, you know, and you don't have to do this for very long. I mean, like a couple of years in this market with these kinds of yields, holy crap, like you really should be doing well in my view. Um, if you're not, then something's going way wrong. <laughs> like, because you could basically just get the free yield and buy the cheapest thing in any bear market or whatever. And just kind of like, you know, you know, keep knocking, you know, keep knocking away at it and you'll have a pretty nice position. Like stocks never had this kind of like, um, obnoxious dividend potential and whatnot where you could just basically continue to auto compound into things. Right. So take advantage of the web 3.0, uh, like magic and, um, always be kind of like, um, you know, figuring out how to optimize is the way to look at it. Always be learning too. Like as long as you're kind of learning new techniques and strategies, um, you only need really a basket of them though, to do well. I don't think you have to go to like a dozen chains and sort it out. You, you can figure this out. Like, hopefully we have a lot of great opportunities on Terra to where you don't have to go anywhere. But um, J Joseph, do you have something? Or actually, let me get to Ryan first. He's waiting a long time. Sorry. Ryan, you there? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. Go ahead. I guess I can drop a little alpha for you. As far as like um, a protocol that can kind of implement the strategy that you're talking about, 
Um, from what I understand, you should be able to do a majority of that through Andromeda protocol. Yes, I think you're probably right. Um, but, you know, there, there are some elements, by the way. Um, there are some tactics that, uh, yeah, like ETF style tactics that Nebula may be doing. Um, there are some tactics, though, that I want to see implemented. Say, for example, an AUST, um, like an AUST, like Luna X, like Martingale bot or something like that, where you're just like exponentially buying things that are simultaneously rising in value. Um, the only problem right now is that, like, for example, Luna X has to be sitting in your wallet. It can't be locked in a smart contract. So the only people that could build that type of product would be something like Stater themselves could build it. Or you'd have like an external bot that you're running, sort of like Jimmy is trying to build, um, where you're running a bot to do the trades for you, but you have like AUST in your wallet and you have Luna X in your wallet. Because the way Stator works is you have to snapshot the Luna X in your wallet to get the yields, right? The extra yields. So I think uh, the liquid staked solutions, like for example, a rebalancer between Luna X, Atom X, and Solana X would just completely just rip as far as money making i mean that sucker would make <laughs> yeah. so much money like you would just defy the fucking imagination like there is no comparison like compounding everything that you're counter trading against in rebalancer holy crap i don't even know like i don't even know how to calculate how much money that is like that's how fast you'd be making it so like those are the kind of innovations i think are are coming um as these sort of like the proper primitives are built and then like then you have to have like the 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 protocols built to sort of build this and then you could do nutty ass things like you could have like a solana atom um like luna x like all of them auto compounding and they could all be rebalancing and you could use like a like aust position to like use the aust yield to dollar cost average into the actual like rebalancer bot or the vault right so you could do all sorts of nutty treasuries with this kind of strategy and they'd be way more lucrative than the shit we're seeing now. Like, like, there's no comparison to what I'm talking about. Like, if you just look at how well rebalancer bots work in general, the APYs tend to run 100 to 200% APYs, like, nominally. Like, that's just standard. If That's without even, like, really fast-growing assets. But you have auto-compound, multiple high-volatility assets, especially if we can keep getting these, like, cycle one ultra-volatility assets, like geez, like we're talking about some serious money printers. Like you could, you could like, like most people I'd be retired in two years on one year of income. It's like that kind of ridiculous numbers. But anyway, so it's, it, it'll be fun. You'll see, <laughs> like we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Joseph, you want to hop on? Oh, sure. Um, thanks for holding these, by the way. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if I have a complete thought here, but uh I am curious because typically my strategy on anchor uh, had been to keep my LTV, you know, well below 40%. And then if it went above that, I would usually hold Luna and be Luna as an LP. And then if it got the LTV got too high, I would break it and then put the B Luna onto anchor to help lower my LTV. But as the APRs on the, Luna B Luna pairs have dropped. It's becoming less and less. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I yeah. think it depends on what you prefer in terms of like the amount that you have outstanding yeah. borrowed. 
Because the most aggressive way to get the highest possible exponential buys towards the bottom is going to be like use the max borrow power of Luna, which I don't personally do, by the way. Like I mentioned, I have like one third of it doing one thing, another third of my Luna doing something else. And then like I'll use I'll be using one third of it, at least for like this prism tactics, I'm sure. Um, But. So, yeah, I mean, like exactly like you're doing, I'm sort of using some of my Luna for other things to some extent. Now, is that the most aggressive route? It is not. Like if I did Lunanomic strategy and went just just ultra aggressive and just convert everything to bonded Luna and just barred the shit out of it, like I would have done like dramatically better than I'm doing now for sure. So he's right about that. Um, but at the same time, it just depends on how aggressively you want to see um how aggressively you want to manage that borrow and and yeah and so um kind of my my follow-up thinking is is with the new bonded assets uh coming online soon um my my strategy is is primarily changing now i'm primarily holding just b luna well on anchor but then a, a fair amount just in my wallet uh earning the you know i don't know what is it eight percent from Lido, I don't know, that magically shows up in Anchor. Um, and, but it's paid yeah, out. You're, in, you're making, yeah, you're making like eight to 9%. Yeah, yeah, but it's paid out in UST. And I, my thing that I loved about the LP, it was, uh, you know, it was paid out in, you know, more Luna and B Luna. Uh, my que- I guess my question is, is there a, a way to use a bot that can like kind of auto compound that UST while my B Luna is like, just waiting in my wallet. That's, uh, that's sort of what Nexus is about is building. Yeah. So Nexus, oh. Nexus is building exactly that. They just announced that today that they, they're going to like, I asked them to like, because it doesn't make sense to keep emitting side token and it doesn't make sense. Like, cause a lot of people just sell it for more Luna anyway. Like they go and get N Luna. Yeah. And like whatever. Yeah. So like, why are we going through this shenanigans? Like when we know everyone wants Luna right there. So the I exactly that they're they're building exactly what you want. So the, you're going to be able to park your bonded Luna there in a vault. And it's going to make you like buy you Luna or buy bonded Soul or buy bonded Adam in the future. So that's not a bad play. Like it, awesome. that should be decent. That's that's a fairly conservative uh, like strategy, I would say. It's basically yield direction to buy things that you like, right? That's like what, that. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted because yeah, yeah you, you, you could yeah. You could then like do something simple like DCA into the different coins. What I want them to actually do though is I want them to go one step further and not just like where you have a vault where it just like you put your bonded Luna or something in there and it buys you like uh, more Luna, but like some strategy that's more ETF like where it would actually buy whichever of the coins is like down the most or something like that. Yeah. So relative to each other, like which one is. Uh, you, you know, and then maybe calculation that's relative to the amount of interest yield it has. So because Adam has higher interest yield, you know, on a deep dump of Adam, I want plenty of Adam because then I can use the interest yield on that to do the exact same thing that we're talking about. It's just sort of like you take that bonded Adam and then you just take the yield off of that and you you compound it more. So there's just different ways to look at it um, from the standpoint of like a mixture of like Again, price action diversification coupled with sort of yield redirection to uh, create these sort of like automated ETFs or whatever. Um, so that should be pretty. That should be pretty yeah. fun. We'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see that what they. Yeah, because I definitely don't. Yeah, I got sick of having to 
sell the Psy and then buy Luna again. So that sounds great. Yeah, the Nexus team and I, like a weekend or two ago, I did a kind of a good solid brain dump on them about all the different ideas here that we're talking about for a few hours with them. And their their team sounds quite competent as far as like uh, programming ability and such. So what they're actually investigating also is rebalancer bots. And um, they're look they're first trying to evaluate what the um, they're looking at how much slippage is present on the current AMMs like uh, TerraSwap and um, uh, TerraSwap and Astroport to see if we're going to have enough uh, like slippage free free liquidity available. I'm sorry. Uh, there's enough liquidity to to like prevent a, a serious slippage if you do a vault with large quantities of money with large order sets, because we don't have something like Serum, which is a like a more traditional, um, uh, like we don't have a traditional uh, like market maker system yet. Um, these AMMs have pros and cons, as you guys have noticed, like in terms of slippage and whatnot. That a um, you know, like Coinbase or Binance is not going to have as much slippage. But um, those kind of money markets need to arrive ultimately, potentially to do some of the more fancy things. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that's where like Vertex protocol and some of these other ideas like play a role. Um, so a lot of good innovations coming that should help some of these things. So they're, they're, long story short, Nexus is testing out some different ideas of what I talked about just to look for like on-chain technical feasibility before like promising anything specific yet. So we'll see how that goes, but there are some really good vault ideas for like easy investing that um, we talked about too. And then also like ways to improve maybe the side token tokenomics and increase value capture for it, all that shit, right? Like all the things that you'd want to see um, them accomplish both for the Nexus token holder and for you, the user of the platform. So we'll see what they come up with. So I, um, like I said, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not technically proficient enough to know like what is technically hundred percent possible. I just do know what I want in terms of like the financial product. And then like, if they can, if someone can build it for me, like, hooray, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, let me see here. Let me grab triple real quick. Yeah. What's going on? Hey, Cfi. Um, my question is about accumulating Luna as the price is going up. So yeah. what, in your opinion, like I, I've heard you speak about the strategy of, you know, increasing the DCA on the way down and pivoting to other assets that might be um, or likely will be in the uh, anchor borrow vaults like Adam and Soul and that kind of thing. But what, 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 in your opinion, is the ultimate or kind of not ultimate, but just a really good strategy or several strategies for accumulating Luna as it's rising in price? Yeah, so, like, let's just like let's just assume any asset, like forget about um, Luna specifically. Like, let's just say I like discovered some new coin and I'm like, ooh, like I want to do something right now. The first thing I do is decide, OK, do I want to enter this thing? like slowly with a dynamic DCA because, you know, it's already had a run up and, you know, maybe I want to try to optimize um, for cheaper prices or, you know what, I think like, Oh, Holy shit, this is the next best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, like it's going to do amazing things over the next few years. I'm just going to get a big core position, hold it. And then if it goes down any further, I'm going to either top off my position or again, start a new dynamic DCA um, on the way up. 
what I've been doing is to me, the way I look at crypto is every peak, okay, like whether it's Bitcoin 20,000 or it's like Luna 103 or whatever it was, every peak is a like confirmation of buyers out there. And each subsequent peak, if it behaves in, in, in a way that is consistent with like longer term growth, um, represents like future potential. So therefore, every peak, I will start buying as we fall from that peak um, is how I kind of look at it. So like, am I buying right now while Luna's going up? No, because I just bought it like $62. And on, well, actually, I bought all the way down. Could you also buy all the way up? You could, but then you're just doing a traditional DCA at that point. You might as well just like buy every day then, right? Like instead of trying to time it and everything, then a traditional DCA would would work. I mean, if you guys remember like, like so remember Hal Finney, um, if you guys remember him, he, he passed away of ALS and um, he was one of the original, um, you know, well, you know, one of the original people to make Bitcoin work. And like, you know, when the reporters used to ask him and stuff like, hey, Hal, like, you know, you're pretty smart. Like, how would you get into this Bitcoin thing? And he's like, well, I would just DCA it. Well, in other words, if the Caltech genius is telling you to DCA it, right, like that's probably good enough for me. Like, you know, the dude that practically, um, you know, like founded Bitcoin, you know, like. But in terms of so deciding an amount, good. in terms of deciding an amount to DCA, like I love the way you you know, kind of explain the doubling or the exponentially increasing DCA on the way down, would you just basically figure out what that just smallest amount is? And as Luna's going up, that's what you DCA with every single day? Or so do you have with, some other with, like... Yeah, with something you know, like Luna, by the way, like I made, um, I made some fairly like grotesque errors in terms of like when I bought, right? So like, you know, I was like, oh, you know, like it was at twenty three dollars and it dropped to sixteen. I'm like, that's a good buy. Good buy. So I bought a little chunk. I bought a pretty good sized chunk there, and then I ended up buying a whole lot at more at like twelve and four and five and sort of like. And then on the way up, I learned more about the ecosystem and I bought even more. So I, I don't know that there's a right exact way to do that. Like if you're buying on the way up, um, I think it really depends on whether your intent is to sell on the way up also to then like exit to cash so you can buy more with each of the sort of subsequent like drops. So I think if I had a limited amount of capital, I would probably deploy it. Honestly, I would say uh, one of the most straightforward ways to uh, like win would be to just go into a rebalancer bot. So if you're concerned about, well, you know what, I don't know if I'm buying at the right price. You do a 50-50 rebalancer on KuCoin or whatever, and you're basically 50% in the position already, 50% available in cash to buy the dip. It's going to do it automatically for you. And typically, a dual coin rebalancer is going to beat hodling anyway um, over a like two-year period. So in that respect, I think if I had limited funds, the rebalancer bought, even if I had to pay the short-term capital gains and all that, that's probably the way I would go. If I'm concerned about um, about this now, if my presumption was is that like mine is that, you know, Luna could be an easy twelve hundred dollars by like end of this year or sometime, you know, past summer, then if that's my intuition, then like, you know, maybe I should just go all in right now and call it a day. Right. Like, you know, right, so right. Think, because it's because you're earning the yield along the way, which amounts to like nine percent yield now anyway. So if you wait a year at least 10% of the volatility you've covered through yield. 
Um, you know, if you're going to be upset if a, a dip happens and you miss the perfect dip, well, there's like the only choice you have is to preserve some capital to buy the dip, right? So it really depends on your strategy at that point. Like there's no... Um, yeah. Okay. But I no, think it, just, yeah, it depends on it. Also depends on how much capital you intend. Like if you're throwing your life savings into something, it's very different than if you're like throwing small positions around, right? Like I think right. it's just, there's a lot of there's a lot of like ways to decide how much that's going to be and that kind of thing. Yeah. So real quick, one more question, if you don't mind, about when the best time is to convert Luna to be Luna. Am I right in understanding based on? I, I think what you said before is like the most optimal time to convert luna to be luna is at the very bottom of a dip like if you can catch that well like, are you talking about right? luna you already have or you're talking yeah about yeah luna you already have yeah. yeah you already have it then the during times of high volatility is when the be luna arbitrage is at its best because you have people being liquidated and people are like suddenly converting be luna to luna in order to sell their luna and what's happening or what's happening there is that you're they're creating the DPEG at that moment, and that's when you get the arbitrage to convert, right? But that presumes you have Luna waiting there for you. So right. what I sometimes do, like not only am I buying the dip, but when I'm buying the dip, I know almost with certainty that I'll have a Luna V Luna ARB somewhere in that volatility, and I can get an extra 1% for free. So, you know, so when I bought it like 60, you know, $3 or whatever it was, what and even and I have some even on a fresh exchange where I bought some. I know that I can then arb that at some point down the line here and get another extra one percent free, which is nice. Um, that amounts to a lot of money, by the way. Like, who in the in the universe yeah. you free one percent here and there in your life? Like, not so, very many. <laughs> so, so am I right? So am I right in basically saying that as Luna is going up and I'm buying Luna as it's going because I'm buying in both sense, like both cases. Yeah. I, I bought yeah. the shit out of the dip and I'm now going to do the rebalancer basically to buy as we go up. So oh, as by I'm the, buying, way, the other thing is okay, something else to keep in mind with Luna. Always remember that every Luna you buy is at least, uh, you know, like 20 percent more Luna you can buy on a dip using the borrow. Right, right. So one of my tactics all year, all last year has been, if I happen to time the price of Luna wrong, who gives a shit? Because then I'll execute, I'll, 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 it'll, the price will drop. That'll be the exact time when the bonded Luna, like arbitrage occurs. I will convert to B Luna, borrow off that B Luna at the bottom, right? Essentially, because that's when that those liquidations tend to happen. And then I'll just get more Luna using the um, borrow power. So even though I didn't time my Luna buy perfectly, the fact that you can borrow against it, meaning meaning it, well, what it does is it allows you to DCA in on the bottoms at the optimal time where you care, both when you can get the ARB and when you can get the, uh, the cheap buy on the borrow, right? Because like if you're going to borrow money, the absolute best time to be able to get a buy is at the very bottom, right? Right. And you're much more likely to have hit it by that point. So basically or, or what close, I'm hearing- Close at least, yeah. So basically what I'm hearing you say is like one strategy that, you know, could work really well that I probably will try is, um, you know, DCA in via like a rebalancer bot as Luna's climbing uh, at some point, you know, and just hold that Luna, hold it in your wallet, maybe stake it on Stater or something like that, where it's like very available. Um, but don't convert to be Luna until things start to drop. When things start to drop, you can go into the UST Luna pool to kind of get more Luna through Lunomics's way, or you can just hold that Luna 
progressively DCA in more like how you do with that exponential DCA strategy. And then as things start to turn around, you know, potentially, you can start to convert to be Luna. Yeah, or whenever, yeah, whenever it depends on like, whenever you find a decent arb, do it or put it on Meow Trader and like put a limit order and, and, and convert it. Um, it depends, like if your intent is to borrow off it, then this is sort of like the way to do it. If your intent is to sell Luna on the way up, then obviously, if you you could, if you are, but you have to like burn it again first and all that. So that takes time. So, um, you know, just some just some things to think about. But you can also find BLUNA. Sometimes the BLUNA ARB is better on Astroport. Sometimes it's better on TerraSwap. Sometimes it's better on Loop Finance. Sometimes um, you can get the Luna X ARB, actually. So if you, you, you know, sometimes if Luna X is like 2% cheaper, you could get that. And then you could burn it in Stator instead of on um, Anchor. You can't borrow off your Luna X as of this moment. Although you can do like that delta neutral like mirror strategy. Once you can borrow off your Luna X, then it becomes um, less of a concern which one you get, whether it be Luna or Luna X. And then when you can borrow off of your Y Luna, that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? So we have some cool shit coming where that becomes a possibility. So then you don't really care which one you get. You want to arb for the cheapest one possible and then borrow off of whichever one you have the greatest sort of collateral power from, whether it's P Luna or whatever. And um, you'll have all sorts of tactics at that point. But basically, any Luna you have is an easy 20 to 30% extra Luna. And in fact, you can go like max out your LTV at bottoms because like once price of an asset, like when, in crypto, once you have fall like 40%, and if you go to a 45% max borrow off that new B Luna that you just got, then your odds of actually getting liquidated become much, much, much lower at that point, right? So you can actually get more B Luna, but off the Luna that you just converted um, at the bottom and not be concerned so much about uh, like a LTV problem or whatever. And you can reprovide that B Luna too, by the way, to sort of lower your, um, you can reprovide uh, to lower your LTV even further. So just a lot of yeah. space yeah, Lots of cool stuff. Um, one so, yeah, so, super so, the take home, so the take home message is think about your borrow power potentially as when you're buying new Luna, think about your new Luna as the borrowing power being a way to take advantage of the next dip. If you, in case you, you, you know, you, the dip that de- keeps on dipping or whatever. Right. And that's another. So, way to so real quick, have you heard of anything about, um, about Pylon offering any sort of um, prism like tokens or any sort of like pre-sale like vesting thing that they did with some other protocols or is that prism i believe was going to do something there i don't know if they're going to now or they've nixed that idea um and because it used to be listed on uh pylon um but yeah so i'm not sure I, i think they went with that ultimately the that like mango market concept of uh selling uh prism tokens and such then they're gonna have some like refracting community farming type shit going on um which would probably work out pretty well too um so yeah there's you're you're gonna want to have some luna in the open in order to participate in this so i have a lot of luna coming out of burns personally that i like bonded luna that i'm like burning back to regular luna that i arbed and i'm waiting for that to sort of like all be released by i think my biggest like pile comes out january 16th or something like that and then i should be right on time for whatever the hell um the whole like you know for this prism shenanigans to begin (laughs) but uh at the same time like the first part the mango market for prism you'll need mostly ust actually so my hope is by that point luna's price goes up 
I can use the money I have sitting in Anchor Borrow and then buy a bunch of Prism tokens at that point and um, like kind of go from there. So we'll see. So the perfect timing would be if between now and Prism, like here you know, the next few weeks, we have a mega move in Luna. That would be the perfect timing because then like my borrow's power is maxed out. It'll be very high. And then probably the new floor price price would be for Luna above 100 bucks. That's just usually how this works. And then I don't need to worry anymore about LTV from where I'm at now. And then I can just buy a shit ton of Prism token and call it a day. Like just go to the mango market and just, just go ape shit or something. We'll see. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> just good to of- me. So I'm planning that I'm basically (laughs) planning that whole thing out a little bit in my head, but it just depends on the price of things at the time. Um, Yeah, it's hard to guess. Thanks as always, Cfi. Thanks for answering. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, have fun. (laughs) Hutch, what's going on, man? Hutch, hey, uh, did you guys cover uh, Luna X yet? The uh, Mirror Proto. Did you guys go over that? No, we were mostly just talking about borrow strategy, but yeah, the the Luna X uh, Delta Neutral strategy. Um, you're going to be able to use your Luna basically as collateral the same way you use AUST as collateral to do the Delta neutral strategy on there. If people like that kind of idea or any strategy, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't so much thinking, I was thinking of Delta, just take away the neutral, just like whatever. It just kind of opens up. I mean, my, my understanding, and, and this, I wanted to ask this because correct me if I'm wrong. I think it only, you only get triple duty on short assets. So like if I, if I post Lunax as collateral and borrow an asset, I can borrow any asset, but if I go long, I'm borrowing the asset itself and I have to pay the asset back. So there's kind of no point in that. But if I post a Lunax as collateral, borrow an asset, instantly go to Terra Swap and sell it, now I have triple duty in that I can use that UST for whatever I want, or I could swap it for more Luna X and loop it or whatever, but I get that triple duty effect. And so it is, it's just another dimension of a loan. It's just a perpetual loan at 1.5% for perpetuity. It just costs you 1.5% to close out the position, but you need to pick one that you think you can buy back cheaper. Am I thinking of it correctly? Like long, it won't work, but short, it works. It should, yeah. I mean, it should be okay. Like, it depends. On, yeah, it totally depends on what you do with it. Yeah, but there so should right. be some. It, but these are more like slow growth strategies, right? Like the 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 reason why I'm not messing with the mirror farms personally at this moment is because I think the the nature of where Luna specifically is, I, I think the vast majority of people are going to probably just want straight up Luna exposure in the grand scheme of things. I think, I, I think all of the so other, people, like, I think a lot of the other, like uh, fin- the other, like uh, longer term phenomenon, you know, where you can um, the slower growth strategies probably are going to be much more super important to us. Like a couple of years from now, when yeah, like, near the top, you know, some of them or no, not just near the top, but when like a, a serious portion of the rapid sort of like, you know, we've squeezed a lot of the honey out of this ultra, yeah. like maybe get to like cycle four peak and, you know, sure. Luna sitting there in the like two to five K range somewhere or something, you know, like in that range. And now, and at that point, like you're, you're, you te- you squeeze a lot of the juice out of the orange or whatever. And now you're looking for all sorts of ways to like improve your yield output. To- totally get that. Totally get that. But try this on for size. So like my S and P video is kind of a slow growth because it's via USC, but the, 
the video that gave me the idea for that was Dr. Cleans. And in his first video, it's all done via phone and he's kind of going really quick. And I had to watch it like three times and he did it with silver. So it was a turnoff to me because I, I wouldn't short silver with with your money. Uh, <laughs> I just get afraid to, to, to just get wrecked. Um, but but the way he's doing it is he's not using USC at all. He's using Luna as collateral, borrowing silver selling the silver, not selling, excuse me, going to TerraSwap with the silver and swapping it for more Luna and then looping that six times. And so he shows that he basically gets basically 150% exposure to Luna, to his original Luna stack. And there's no anchor loan if, involved. If you're at, if you're, interesting. So if you're at 150% exposure, then like you don't even really have any serious liquidation risk at that point. Because even if well, you, you got do, if, you'd be ahead, right? If silver moons and Luna drops simultaneously, you get screwed. And so that's why I kind of <laughs> like the, the, the S and P because I think there's a little bit of correlation there. I think Luna's going to moon as a pairs trade, even if you were both long, Luna's going to outperform the S and P, but if the S and P gets wrecked and we're like, obviously yesterday with the little head fake, we're, we're going to be bullish for a little while longer, but at some point we're going to have to pay the piper. And when it does, I'm, I'm concerned that the S and P is going to take everything down with it. So I have that on with a US, AUST and that is kind of a slow growth. It's really just kind of like an AUST farm for me where I might get a windfall if the S&P goes down. But I'm thinking now with Luna X and starting yesterday and then today when Doe posted his uh his thing with the whatever the little Venn diagram thing, I was like, "Oh shit, whenever whenever Doe posts these things, we just go crazy." So I all of a sudden just <laughs> I, I I was like, "Okay, I I, I was waiting for a dip, but I don't think it's going to come. I better just get in here. And so I was thinking of swapping my Luna to Luna X and then doing the looping strategy, even for more Luna, but it's not live on, on mirror, but, but that's why I wanted to run it by you guys. And so I'm wondering if I go long, like I'd love to be long gold. Like there's M I A U. Like I would do that. I would post Luna X as collateral and I would use that to borrow gold and I would just be long. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, your mic's cutting out by the way, but um, yeah, I think I see what you're getting at, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. The I'm, I'm going to watch that video specific to the Luna looping strategy. I want to like review that and see what he's doing. Cause that might be another way to sort of like use the Luna you have and then get um, more Luna particularly might be, uh, another bottom buying strategy, or once you've had like good corrections, um, that might be another way to sort of expose yourself to relatively minimal borrow risk, but then get some loops of uh, extra Luna and such. But uh, Winner, uh, did you have something along these lines? Uh, not specifically. I just I just wanted to touch on the DCA and the dynamic DCA and whatnot. Yeah. And I, while I realize your um, strategies are quite sophisticated and probably perform tremendously and the studies i've seen of dca and even dynamic dca show that over periods of time where the asset rises in value you underperform because you're never going to get as much value out of it as if you if you have the money right you ought to put it in that asset right now because take a look at bitcoin you know if you bought five thousand dollars in 2009 it's way different than spreading that over 12 months 24 months whatever so you know, 
I, I think it depends also on your that particular it d- certainly it depends on the asset. So like for Bitcoin's example, you have like something that is a just constant, extraordinary, um, like adoption grade growth. You basically have access to growth, a viral growth of something that grew like with the speed and the, the, the size of the Internet or whatever. So and you're getting direct value from that, not like buying Facebook stock or something. So the the opportunities where that's the case are not very high in most asset classes, because in many cases you're buying like shit with like a lot of um, like, you know, like IPOs where like a VC is a one out of own 90 percent of a thing in the stock market. So I, I think it really depends on what one is talking about. But yeah, in the crypto space in particular, I think you tend to be right in that something like Luna, that's what I was mentioning earlier. If someone's not sure, like and but at the same time they're not they're kind of inexperienced and they're not sure what they're going to do if the like it dips and like oh my god you you wrecked me because i put my you're bullish on luna and i put my life savings in and it dipped 40 percent. now i'm upset the main thing is like yeah as long as you have the confidence to understand that that volatility is good and it's gonna basically like you know the price will go up eventually then you're right you probably make out better generally by just buying all at once and be done yeah the studies of every asset that i've seen listed i mean and and there are studies of bitcoin the u.s treasury bills gold Mm -hmm. uh a mixed portfolio of 60 percent stocks 40 stocks 100 percent stocks all u.s stocks consistently dca underperforms over periods of time so and you know and and the reason i mention uh those tactics is is because Unless you are savvy enough to understand like the volatility, then a lot of people fuck up and buy the bottom. They don't buy the, um, they sell the bottoms. And because clearly people are selling the bottoms. Otherwise we wouldn't have like someone to buy from at that level. Right. So like, so there are bottom sellers out there and clearly they're getting themselves wrecked by doing the wrong thing. And the, the DCA and dynamic DC advice is sort of like the more capital conservative strategy, I would say, like versus what winner's saying which is just go all in and just screw it just let it auto compound um so like my like when when luna was about 63 bucks i called my cousin up and i'm like okay looks like it's time to buy luna again my portfolio is in the dumpster and he's like how much should i spend i've got like you know you know all this money and anchor that i parked there waiting and i'm like I don't know. I'd probably just dump it all in there. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> so like he didn't have to do any kind of like special strategy. He was able to pick it up because I just told him when to buy it. And he just dumped his bank account in and that was the end of it. So he had well ahead now already on a buy that was like a week old. Like he's probably outperformed, you know, most hedge funds in like one week. Right. So like the reality is like, it, yeah, if you get the timing right, you can be you can work out really well. But um, it, uh, it it it. It's really hard to like. You could also have bought Bitcoin at like you know eighteen k, and then like wrote it down and like sat there for several years as well. So I think it really depends on people's. Um, um, there, there's a lot that can go wrong in a sense that, um, like the timing is going to affect different people different ways. So as long as people have a long time horizon, what Winner's saying is probably true a lot of the time. If you have a, if you're worried about the short term horizon, like you got to pay your mortgage or something, well, don't don't go and buy and don't go put it into something that you have to sell it. So the other thing, too, is like part of the reason why I covered dynamic DCA and dollar cost average is because when you're borrowing money, like, for example, on anchor, 
you don't necessarily want to get wrecked to the point where you just have like a loan that keeps rising in value in theory. And, you know, to be fair, Anchor's bar is pretty like cheap. But let's say you you were wrecked with a borrow and you're not making any cash flow, then you, you're sort of like losing even further opportunity cost. In those circumstances, like um, having sort of automated financial products on chain that allow people to sort of take their borrow power, still be sufficiently liquid to fix an LTV, that's where the dynamic DCA, DCA discussion sort of came from. It was really about borrow strategy. Um, where you don't get wrecked on liquidations as opposed to maybe like the most lucrative strategy you could ever have in the universe, which would be to buy a perfect bottom. In fact, the most you know successful thing would be like you not only picked a perfect bottom, but you put a 10x long on BitMEX and you just sort of, you know, owned it. The, but you see the problem with doing that is that, you know, it, <laughs> it becomes more and more um, uh, it, it just becomes more and more risky with your borrow power in a sense. And especially for amateurs that don't know what they're doing, um, that's a great way to sort of like ruin your portfolio. And, you know, the reality is what all of these sort of techniques I've been mentioning are pretty good in accumulating wealth over a long period of time. If you're willing to be at least reasonably patient within a few years, you don't have to like try to win the lottery immediately. You can do really, really well with most of what I've talked about today, like in a lot of different asset classes without sort of like, you know, Losing a lot of sleep is what I'm is what I'm getting at. So like the dynamic DCA is like the ultimate, you know, like you might, you know, like let's say for example, you're you throw a hundred bucks at something and the thing just goes up. That's the reason to have um, portfolio diversification, in my opinion, too. Though, like you want things that will go down, so that you don't have to necessarily chase the one thing that's going up. If you have other things that are going to go up but they're down at simultaneously. Uh, price exposure really helps you to buy the dip in something as opposed to chasing the one thing you think is like the next, uh, you know, Messiah or whatever, <laughs> like whether it's Luna or whatever. So um, that's another way not to get wrecked is is find something falling, not going up. But um, ML, you had a comment? Yeah. Um, with, with all these B Luna peaks above one, are you still burning B Luna? I mean, I, I, I would I would think in that 21, 24 day period, you could set a limit sell on meow and get rid of that, you know, convert that B Luna over to Luna a lot faster, maybe even at a profit. Yeah. I mean, you know, that on on TerraSwap, it's it's been hanging out. It's been peaking above one every day, multiple times. Yeah, I did not do that. I probably should be doing that, though, like where you take the 1% ARB and then like you, you know, like even if you took a little bit of a hit on it, you know, you just keep doing it over and over again. But, but the thing is um, I'm not too worried about that right now. And the reason is because once prism comes out um, and Jimmy builds me the right ARB bot, <laughs> the reality is, is that like I could just make 20 money 24 seven on, uh, arbitrage trades on those things on just the price volatility arbitrage, right? Because now what's beautiful about Prism is you're going to have like an even more price volatile Luna than Luna itself in the form of the P Luna and Y Luna ARBs. And you're going to be able to do all sorts of wacky bots with that and then basically just make 
the arbs between those different coins and not even have to worry about like the B Luna Luna, right? Because if you like at the end of the day, if you didn't care how much Y Luna or P Luna you had, you're just fine buying the dip on either one. You could just do a Y Luna P Luna rebalancer or a Y Luna P Luna, like, um, what do you call it? Like a LP or something like that. And the constant price movement back and forth and all the buying and selling back and forth will not only get you a lot of LP fees, but you'll also get like, let's say for example on astroport you'll get the the secondary the the fees for that you'll get the prism tokens or whatever for the lp provider dual rewards so pretty soon like some of these other like previous strategies will be eclipsed substantially by things with a lot more volatility and a lot more liquidity the problem with the b luna luna arb is with enough people participating in it what you'll notice is it gets narrow and, and more narrow and the more people that are using Meow Trader, the more narrow it becomes to where it becomes like, you know, like everyone's front running each other and that's all there is. But when you have an asset class that is essentially volatile 24-7 no matter what, then you can just basically build an ARB bot and just like keep buy, having the thing buy and sell, you know, like nonstop, which is very exciting. So like, for example, what would be an interesting build would be like the have a Y Luna rebalancer against a Luna X, both of those, like if you could get like staking rewards for Luna X, I don't think you can get Luna X, I mean, sorry, Y Luna in your wallet, but you could be getting like staking rewards on the one side and then getting the arbitrage between all of the Y Luna price variation that's gonna vary differently from the price of Luna itself, right? So you could create like just nutty bots that just keep buying and selling back and forth and make a shit ton of money with that. So I think Jimmy was going to work on something. <laughs> he might he might release it to the general public because because those type of bots actually it doesn't matter how many people use them, they they're still lucrative. Like so it's not like if you give away the secret like you're screwed or something. So that could be very interesting. Yeah, and I mean now with now with Astroport and there's, you know, now there's multiple dexes, multiple pools of liquidity on the same pair. I mean, there's there's opportunity all over the place. Just, you know, the B Luna Luna is you know almost what 0.2 percent difference right now just between the yeah. the two dexes right exactly so there's those arbs too in theory um although the problem with trying to play the arbs between two dexes tends to be like there's just too much slippage between a and m's amms if you're talking about any serious amounts of money you want like yeah. volatility arbs actually don't really play too much on the um like anyway, yeah, it, it basically has the same philosophical principle as grid bots. The beauty of having like multiple forms of P Luna that you can arb against each other is all of us want more Luna. Like we don't want to be in a rebalancer with a bunch of other tokens a lot of the time. So this way you have like multiple ways of having um, price exposure to things that are moving in different directions. See, here's the thing. The intuition goes something like this. If Y Luna is going up, P Luna probably has to go down. Why? Because ultimately, like the approximate price between the two should be approximately the price of Luna, right? Because in order to go back to Luna to de-refract, you have to have one P Luna, one Y Luna. But imagine if there was a time where like P Luna is more expensive and Y Luna is more expensive than regular Luna. That's a perfect time to refract it and then sell both your P Luna and Luna simultaneously and then just like buy regular luna again right so now you made an arb of that like price problem so what you're going to see is all these crazy arbs 
And then all those ARBs are going to create volatility between the Y Luna P Luna pair. So it's just a cyclical sort of like yeah. <laughs> stupid volatility machine. And you just sort of like make money off it just 24 seven. So basically what you're saying is it's about to get crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's about to get really sweet. I think I, I, yeah. my theory is, is that, yeah. Yeah. And then you have like Y atom and like P atom and this kind of shit coming out and then you can really do some wild stuff. Right. So it, it'll be just a not like once you have the proper sort of like, either protocols or bots that can just play on this volatility um it's going to be pretty sweet like i think those are going to be much more sustainable arbs and sustainable opportunities compared to what we're used to right now so prism to me is like uh like um that's some just some internet magic shit right like that's pretty awesome like well, <laughs> that's how i look let, at it let me know where the uh fund is to fund the uh, arb bot and i'll throw in <laughs> yeah we'll figure it out i think jimmy's gonna create something pretty simple um so i want to hear what he has to say yeah hitch Hutch, did you say something else no i just wondering where you guys lost me i was blabbing about luna <laughs> Some, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of that yeah i don't remember thanks for checking out another episode of the ether that was part one of a two-part cfi space anchor borrow strategies for luna acquisition today's episode of the ether is brought to you by orbital command a community validator on terra dedicated to educating expanding and promoting the lunatic community Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pain. Checking that replay, sing along, and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows. But then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday, and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. small. Many rights holders to turn profit, their future will always be in question. But, for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 Another day, another lesson, living in the eighth dimension, might be worth a little mention, living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel, reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal, just to make a motherfucker wish. Aw, shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence, like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true in the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom in the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog like a fake mate and call at the zoo it's looking like the view is getting disappointed too i'm working on the new shit trying to produce it. it's what i'm willing to go through when i'm making my music